Monsters have taken their place among cinematic history, but who are the real monsters? Are they the scaly creatures that haunt our nightmares? Or are they the person you see every day just casually walking down the street? What happens when man outweighs the monster on the screen and creep into our lives and dreams? With our co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago, they will uncover who are the real villains as we explore the classic cinema along with some modern greats and find the monster within us. Hello, welcome to the Licensed Podcast and it's Eminem, Monsters and Madness show, where we'll be covering two films that deal with monsters and human madness. And today's feature, we'll be covering The Invisible Man from 1933 and Abbott Costello Meet the Invisible Man. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. we got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, guys. What's up? We got Davi Cavallo with us. Hello, David. Oh, good afternoon. I thought we were doing Mary Poppins today. Mary Poppins. Mm, <laughs> no, what millennia are you in? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we can't use Mary Poppins because um, it's against it's against human decency to talk about a woman who gets hired to be a nanny and doesn't get paid. This so it's true. against human rights. It's, it's against human rights. An exploitation. <laughs> 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 and we got Joe Randazzo with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Vicky. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Not a whole lot. I've been trying to get my garden going. And then we had like hailstorms come through. Not a happy woman right now. But uh, just trying to catch up on some stuff around here. Uh, I watched, some, I've been watching TCM or no, wait, I got a We. My husband got me, a, what do you call it? A Roku TV for the back room because I dominate the big one out here because of the podcast and he gets sick of me. So I go, I go politely back to my new, my new Roku TV in the back. And I found this old, all these old movie channels. So I was watching some old movies. I, I found one that I wasn't going to watch, but I kept watching. It was called One Foot in Heaven. God, I'll be damned if I can remember the actors are. But it was just, it was just a, a cool old movie that I couldn't stop watching. What, Ended up what's watching one, pe- one, one Foot, foot in heaven. heaven? It was about this, pre- uh, not a priest, but a parson who's got his family. And he's, he just tries to get the biggest church. And I mean, they go through all this hell and all this crap all to get okay. the biggest church. It sounds and like I kept a film about, about concentration camp. Well, yeah, that would have been better if it was, but I actually liked it. It was an uplifting movie, okay? I don't have to put everybody down. Even I'm not that bad sometimes. <laughs> but uh, then I watched Taxi Driver. I hadn't seen it all in eons. And I just, Robert De Niro is just good for weird fucking roles. I, I mean, he just plays weird and psychotic well. And one hour photo, never seen it before. And it was so hard to watch Robin Williams be this pitiful psycho. It was probably the most disturbing Robin Williams movie I've ever watched. I hated the end of it. I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but I just didn't like where it went. Uh, check out Insomnia. Huh? Yeah, Insomnia. Insomnia. Have That's not another seen great that. Robin Williams performance. And, and, the, and, the, and the Night Listener as well. Yeah, I've not seen either one of those. That's when he went through his psych- that's when he went through his psychopathic phase. 
We did like three psychopathic movies. What was the other discussion. one? Saw me and what? What was the other one? The Night Listener, I think it's called. Night Listener. I still love. Um, it's written by Armistead Mopen, who wrote um, Tales of the City. Oh no shit! But uh, what did I? Well, I was start. I found this 1959 sci-fi show that I just got halfway through. It was called One Step Beyond. Have you guys ever watched it? Oh yeah, I've seen excellent. a few episodes of it. I was going to start watching that. I, well, I realized it was almost one o'clock, and I had to turn it off, and I was getting into it, and so I was really getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get myself over here to the computer. It was they look kind of fun, so I probably will continue with that series. And I'm on episode 1200 of Dark Shadows. 45 more to go. God damn it! <laughs> Man, there's going to be a celebration when you guys are finally done with I that. I might one. even repeal the 18th Amendment again. I don't know at this point. Jeepers! Three years. Has it been three years? Four years? <laughs> It feels like I think I think most of my life has been taken up by dark. It's now a life challenge, <laughs> like a marathon. I, mean, yeah, I don't know after that last show if I won't ever fucking see any of you again. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I mean, I I came on the first time in 2019, so it's been. Hey, sir, four years. I've been with you guys for four years, so it's been a lot longer than four years that you guys oh have been doing God. dark I shadows. Just, they're almost there. but it's really gotten good in these last few episodes so i mean i've been solid watching them because the storyline's been really good i'm really grateful for that because I, I thought it was going to fizzle out but i'll see what happens in the next 45 because i don't remember i was too little so anyway mm-hmm. what's about you guys yeah, what about yourself joe what have you been up to uh work's gotten busy again uh last week unfortunately well they asked me to join them well, they asked me to to um, to come in on Friday night, and I had agreed because I had forgotten that we had set the clocks ahead an hour. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll be done with the podcast by five o'clock." We're then by the time it. I realized we were starting at one, I was like, "Oh shit, wait a minute, no, we're not going to be able to do it." And I had to I had to bow out of here to go to work. So I apologize. Uh, DOA. Um, I think the first one is the original is absolutely perfect. Um, and I, that was my first time seeing it. And, uh, 88, I didn't dislike as much as Vicky did, but I, uh, we slammed the 88 one. What did I do? DOA 1988. We slammed. Oh, well, everybody hated it. David gave it a zero. Okay. We've never had a zero on this show. I was going to say, I I don't, I didn't think it was good, but I also didn't hate it as much as you guys. I gave it a (laughs) (laughs) 3.5. I gave it kudos because we got the little guy from for the boys. I was happy he was born. <laughs> I was... <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason I got a three point five though, Joe. Because I, tweet, I tweeted out. I tweeted out hoping he'd retweet me. I tweeted out a picture. Did you hashtag of, it? Of, of Meg Ryan and uh, and Dennis Quaid. I was like, uh, I'm gonna tell. Uh, tell my grandkids this is the origin story of the boys i saw he, that i was hoping he would retweet it or, or i don't even know if he even saw it who the hell knows <laughs> i think he pays attention to his fans i do i've noticed he does maybe anyway. but that show is so big now you know? but yeah I mean, you know it, yeah the, the the 1949 version i absolutely love so but, yeah sorry i couldn't be here last week to dis- uh, to discuss it um he wanted to make money instead of sit here with us 
I wanted to do I wanted to do both. I wanted to do both until I realized, wait a second, if we start at one o'clock, I can't make it to work on time. Uh, money over anything. That's the way it is these days. Well, you know the one yeah. I would say pay the bills first. Pay the bills. Yeah, you can catch yeah, all the money goes to the bills every day, every month. That yeah. that NCAA tournament, man, when you're working at a sports bar, uh, it ended up being a really lucrative How week. How many games of- we got left? We just got a few. I know this was on last night. I'm not working tonight, so I think this is the sec. No, this is the. Are we up to the Sweet Sixteen? I think the 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 Elite Eight is tomorrow and Sunday, and then the Final Four is next weekend. I think so. It's getting to the end. I'm so glad I'm not going to be home tomorrow because I don't. But now the weather's getting nicer too. The weather's getting nicer too, so we're going to have people just kind of walking around and just randomly walking in. So we'll actually get people coming in because man, these uh, these last couple months were just killer. (laughs) <laughs> they're just really really bad fucking cold so, snow pestilence i'm surprised we didn't get seven plagues at this point <laughs> well I, I was i was talking about just just business being slow because people weren't out walking around in chicago so we don't we didn't get any walk-in now at least people are going to be out and about and going hey let's well, let's pop nice in there for lunch out. Let's pop in there for dinner real quick, you know, and it'll, yeah. it'll be a lot better again. That's where you get your money from is those people sporadically decide to show up. Yeah, there used to be a there used to be a Best Buy in our lot and it closed in October. And I never put two and two together until one, of you know, a regular was sitting at the bar the other day and goes, hey, did you guys uh, you guys lose any business from Best Buy shutting down? I was, Shit, that's why December was so slow. Oh, we wow. We didn't get the people going to Best Buy and buying little stocking stuffers and going, hey, let's just go over there for lunch. So, yeah, that, that kind of killed us. That but hopefully, hopefully now with the spring and summer, people are going to be out and about and just randomly popping in. Hopefully we can have a decent spring and summer everywhere. And what about yourself, David? What have you been up to? Um, work, 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 work. This week has been crazy with work to the point uh, I've been doing so much work. Uh, not being able to sleep properly, waking up during the night to be like, oh, I forgot to do that at work. Oh my God, I'm doing that tomorrow at work. It, it's ridiculous. Like, um, I might as well just like bring a mattress and sleep at work. Because it's <laughs> Either that or start taking up days. <laughs> <laughs> so another manager has been telling me like, take on your leave, take on your leave, take your holidays. And I'm like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to start going like, staying home and then just thinking about work anyway. So no, just carry on. Um, the weather has been starting here has been miserable, still rainy, rainy, rainy it's getting a little slightly better sometimes is that italy or london is that italy he's in cambridge i'm in cambridge like, okay, yeah. I forget. okay no no do not worry um it's uh, the weather again now you're getting one day of half day of nice weather and then three days of miserable dull rainy weather which is ridiculous but slowly we're getting towards the direction of good weather so fingers crossed um in terms of all the things um i managed to finish the good place the tv show on uh, Netflix, I really oh, loved it. Series. Really, really loved Which it. Which one was it? Um, it's the series about that. Without getting too many spoilers, it's about the woman who died and ended up in the good place, but she said, "Well, I'm not supposed to be here." Sort of thing. I don't recall that. What's it called? Uh, the good place. It's a, a good place. place. I've not heard Dan- of that one. Ted Danson and Christian Bell. It's it's really? beautiful. It's 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 light hearted. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And then it, it gets very philosophical. Like they get into philosophy as well. And I was listening to it. I was like, I can't believe it because I did study philosophy in high school, and it was my favorite best subject in high school. 
and I loved it, really loved it. <laughs> uh, Have you but, guys watched like part of the beginning of the swarm at all? I watched an hour of no, the swarm. It is so What's fucking weird. I think I'm gonna have to finish watching the rest of it. <laughs> is there, is there a new series called The Swarm? It's swarm. Yeah, it's about it's, a, it's about a black girl. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just the weirdest. Thing. Watch the first hour. I, you, maybe you can explain it to wow. me because I just let the swarm. I'm, I'm going the to swarm, write it down. Yeah. It's on, I'm is think- it on Netflix or is it on Prime? I can't remember. It's on because I'll need something new to actually watch. Because at the moment, besides the, it's, it's about place. These, well, it's not completely a black show, but I mean, there's some you know, but it's mainly about you know these two black girls and they they were I don't I don't understand the relationship. It's just really strange and. and looks kind of scary i think i don't know i gotta watch like the second thriller? one figure out how to put the first one into some kind of whatever it's just weird <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, i will try to give i'll give it a try when ultimate I is it serious right yeah it's on um the ship what is it on amazon netflix or is, or is it amazon netflix yeah it's netflix there's netflix yeah actually tragic thrilling and sinister i just found oh, out yesterday yeah, okay I just found out yesterday that uh, apparently Netflix is putting out a Gamera uh, cartoon series in the next couple of months. That, that, like that'll Gamera, be kind of like in Gamera the Godzilla, Gamera? yeah. As in the, oh. the Godzilla monster. I just found out. I was like, okay, I like the Godzilla sh- the Godzilla cartoon show. I still watch Godzilla movies. So I, I, I really need to get into Godzilla at some point. There's a whole... It. There is a whole franchise in Japan with Gujira and all the My brother the used movies. to call them JAP Productions. <laughs> not right. I know it's not politically correct, but I'm not. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. So <laughs> My brother John used to call those movies JAP Productions. Uh, uh. <laughs> I love it's them. Like an, I an umbrella They're term. I still love them. Hell, but I love them. Um, I got the... Um... I got the Criterion, the big Criterion box set of Godzilla movies for uh, for Christmas, and I just cracked it open the other day and watched Godzilla raids again. I'm gonna be, uh, I'll be going through all of them. We we covered Tank the all uh, monsters, destroy all monsters. You got them all. Yeah. Was uh, it's it's the 15 movies uh, made. Um, so the first 15 movies are on the box set. It was a it's a big set. It's huge. Um, so yeah, I think we, we we did cover the first Godzilla on the podcast. So right. and I think I think we all loved it. So we did. <laughs> Shame I missed that. Damn it. See, I'm I'm generally fascinated and really really passionate about everything related to folklore and monsters and spirituality and magic in Japan. Uh, so Godzilla would be like, oh, I think I need to watch it. It's a lot of fun though. I, they're just fun. Have you ever I seen? I think that they were real when I was little, and that. You know, Gargantua was we're gonna walk out of the forest by. <laughs> I, I thought they were real. That's how freaking naive I was when I was. Well, I mean, I, when I was when I was a little kid, I was terrified of uh, uh, the Dimetrodon dinosaur. It has like a giant blade. I, I kept worrying like one was gonna walk under my bed and just saw me in half. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was the cutest. Well, Pachycephalosaurus was the cutest dinosaur, but. <laughs> But yeah, Japanese culture is definitely the. I mean, I'm, I'm, I generally love anything related so to have, Japanese culture. Have you seen a movie called Hasu? No. Hold on a second. That, I'll, I'll grab it off the shelf. Is that the? Is that the? Is does that begin with a T? Is that that crazy guy with the screw thing? Is that that crazy Japanese film or Korean film with the mechanics? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I don't think I've ever heard of this. 
It's this one here. It is a wild, wild no. movie. I've never. What is it called, Joe? I can, the sun, well, the it's, light. Here it's listed as uh, uh, Hasu is the is the title. Um, yeah, it's house is uh, is the Americanized uh, version of it. Oh, it is a wild movie. Really, really wild. Is really that strange. like the house movie I'm thinking of as far as house? The, like you, the first you, three or is that different? It's not related to that, but it's, okay. it's it's wilder than even that one. Well, it's a horror comedy. Interesting. Yeah. I love yeah. horror comedies. That's I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but it's uh, it's a fun little movie. I was trying it's to get on, my daughter it's to on watch Shutter. Is it on Shutter right now? What is yeah. it? Oh, it is? Interesting. Okay. House 1, 2, and 3. I was there. trying to get my daughter to watch. What is it? Cannibal? What's that? Cannibal the Musical. Oh, no. Keith, are you South thinking, you're so thinking of the uh, the one with Richard Maul and... and this is a Japanese film. Oh, uh, no, I'm thinking of the William Cat one. Yeah, the yeah William Cat and Richard Mall. Yeah, this is a different movie. This is completely oh, okay. unrelated to that. Weird. They all got the same name. I've wrote it yeah. down just in case. You never know. <laughs> I'll watch it. Yeah, Joe always gives me good recommendations. Uh, and if he sent me uh, something. What was that you said you watched last week that you absolutely hated, Joe? Said, don't waste your time. You don't uh, Spring Break time. Massacre. Uh, this, one's on, this one's on HBO Max, actually, right now. I'll check it out. I'll put it on my list. It is a weird one. It's just one of those movies that's just going to have you going, what the fuck, the entire time. But no, <laughs> Spring Break Massacre, do not watch. Do not waste your time. <laughs> Spring Break Massacre is fucking terrible. How do you screw up a titty slasher movie? You, I don't know. What, what what was the criteria for even... You get hot, hot girls going on Spring Break and getting killed. How do you fuck that up? How do you make that boring and absolutely unwatchable? I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> it's absolutely awful. But yeah, do not watch that. One. That's and Linnea's in that, and Reggie Bannister's in it, and you know, Linnea Quigley's in it. Yeah, she's uh, she's the deputy of the uh, the town where all the stuff is going on. Oh my god, I'd watch it just because she was in it. Her being in it was the reason I watched it. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty awful. It was like not 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 watchable. It wasn't like fun awful. Like is it you know, like you can't get that hour and twenty-three back? Yeah. Okay. The the, <laughs> the best thing about it is that the, the runtime was listed as 82 minutes, but the uh, the closing credits started running at 70 minutes, and I was like, oh fuck yes. Ten minute reprieve. <laughs> A minute less. <laughs> right. Well, what have I been up to? I I saw on class of 2009 on Amazon, which is, has Emily Browning in it, who is in American Gods, which is about um, this high school reunion that happens on top of this hill and the world becomes flooded by a, uh, a tidal wave and they're, they're the only survivors and they're stuck with each other. Oh God, speaking of high school reunions, I'd kill every one of them motherfuckers if that happened to me. <laughs> Can you imagine being stuck we with everybody? <laughs> Nobody would likes to go back with like high school. What's that called? I watched it. Minimum. It's Apparently. called Class of 2009, so that's very good. Um, oh finished God. watching Last of Us is now finished, so that was very, very good. Oh, did you like enough. the ending? I gotta yeah. knock them all out. I was really happy to see what happened and what transpired in that last episode. I just love mm. Pedro Pascal, though. I mean, he does no wrong in my mind. Yeah. So are you sorry, have you already transitioned to the Mandalorian? <laughs> I've already transitioned, yes. Um, I had to yeah, find something I mean, with Pedro in it. Yeah, I'm watching it. Um not I'm, I'm 
interested, but I'm not loving this season. That's so. what everybody's that seems to be the general consensus is everyone's like, so, I wasn't gonna say it first. There's something the pizzazz is gone, the fizz mm. is gone. What happened? Mm. But then I again, I'm only two into it. I'm only two. I think it. I think it's just Disney oversaturating the market, which is what they do with everything well, they Marvel's own. doing. That's that everything too. is like, saturated. Like that's all Disney, yeah. That's all under like, the Disney. Slow your roll, Marvel, you know. I don't have time or the money to go watch all these movies if I wanted to. The old rule of thumb in Hollywood was always leave them wanting more. But if you keep making stuff, if every month we have a new product, exactly, it's going to get boring. I I checked out of Marvel a long time ago. So I'm like, I just don't have the time to devote my entire life to the 25 movies and 10 TV shows and I, I I can't. I love I, them. I love Marvel, but I mean, I don't love them that much either. It's just too much. But I think that's because Disney just pulled the the whole you know Marvel thing, so they need to milk the cows. Well, they're just well, they, they want to make their money. I mean, it's yeah, come out of COVID. they want their and money. And then sell products and whatever. I mean, it's a it's if you really is exaggeratedly passionate about it, fair they enough. They got the but, merch too. That's a biggie. Yeah. See, I, I, if I was really passionate about it, I would prefer reading the comic books or the graphic novels or watching even the cart. The cartoons are much better. I prefer the, the cartoons, the animations. Oh, I really the love old our Batman movies. cartoons. I love our Batman cartoons. They are so freaking good. Yeah, the old uh, the old X Men series was phenomenal. I remember yes. really loving those growing up. We just interrupted you, Keith. What else have you been doing? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing really. Um, getting ready for Ferris to come and live with me for a month, which is I'm happening so the next Yay. week after. Going to test out what living together is going to be like for a while. Get him a so. dog, Ferris. You got to know how he's going <laughs> to treat the pet between get a fucking dog, <laughs> even if it's a loner for a month. <laughs> It will well, say I mean, so much. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, so, you know, doing the whole, you know, marriage, whatever thingy so at some point, and then we're moving to America. So, you know, so I guess we're just testing our waters and making sure that all goes work. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And then just doing like date nights and stuff. So we've been going through free, uh, Fear Street on Netflix. We, we I love watched, Fear Street. Which one are you on? We're on the last one. We're on, we're going to do probably sixteen sixty six tonight at some point. So I really enjoyed that series. A lot of people hated it. I enjoyed it. I thought I, it worked. It works so much better back to back as well. Because everything's yeah. just I, yeah, everything's do. interconnected. Because it doesn't really. Yeah, when they separate it and then they do the next one and the, yeah, I see. What you're yeah. You just watch it consecutively. Yeah. I had to keep. I watched it when I was waiting for each to come out. Yeah, I did that when they were coming out weekly at that time. So, and then, um, and we worked working our way through the screen and some anime stuff and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's pretty much it, really. And I'm back to work next week. So, so we I keep in mind. Yeah, a week. Yeah, I've been off for two weeks, sort of thing. Good deal. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, it's worked out quite well with time differences and stuff. So, but we'll go back to the new normal and stuff like that. So, besides that, no, not doing a hell of a lot, actually. You know, dealing with the Doctor Who podcast and getting them sorted and situated and which is quite good because everyone that's on that now has got a writing contract to write for BBC so- magazine about Doctor Who. So they're all, they're all so writing awesome. for, for so awesome. BBC. So congratulations. So yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see how uh, 
I don't know if they can write or not, but we'll soon find out. So we'll see how it all goes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at least at least they got a chance. That's nice. Yeah. They got a chance, yeah. So so it's good, you know, so they're doing well. So I don't have to worry about that. So I can now, you know, wash my hands of that and just edit it once a month. So that's quite cool. Do our shameless plug for the Rondo Awards. <laughs> Precisely. Shameless plug. 19. Vote for me. Yeah, we're up for we're on for the Rondo. So if anyone's listening, they want to vote for us, please do. Yeah, you definitely. Know. Gilbert Gottfried's dead, so he can't beat us this year. Always a bridesmaid, yeah. never a bride. No, like you said, I think it was you. They're going to revive one of his old episodes, and he'll get it for that. <laughs> That's where <we're> all... <laughs> there's one out there we haven't heard. Well, he, he died in the middle of last year, so technically, yeah. he could still win. <laughs> he could still pull it off, yep. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I mean, you know, people out there, I mean, the thing is, you know, it took a lot of effort to invite Gilbert Guffrey to my house and bury him in my backyard so we could win this year. So I'd really appreciate him for us. <laughs> you know, so. you know, Gilbert would appreciate that joke too because he had Probably. a dark sense of humor. <laughs> he did have a sense of humor, no doubt. Well, this brings us to The Invisible Man, which is a 1933 American science fiction horror film directed by James Whale and based on H.G. Wells' 1897 novel, The Invisible Man. It was produced by Universal Pictures and starring Gloria Stewart, Claude Rains, and William Harrigan. The film involves Dr. Jack Griffin, who is covered in bandages and has eyes obscured by dark glasses, the results of a secret experiment that makes him invisible, <sighs> taking lodging in the village of Iprig. Never leaving his quarters, the stranger demands that the staff leave him completely alone till his landlady discovers he is invisible. Griffin returns to the laboratory of his mentor, Dr. Cranley, where he reveals his secret to Dr. Kemp and former fiance, Flora Cranley, who soon learned that J Griffin's discovery had driven him insane, leading him to prove his superiority over other people by performing harmless pranks at first and eventually turning to murder. The Invisible Man was in development for Universal as early as 1931 with Richard L. Shire and Robert Floyre, suggested that Wells' novel would make a good follow-up to studio's horror film hit, Dracula. Universal opted to make Frankenstein in 1931 instead. This led to several screenplay adaptations being written by a number of potential directors, including Floré, E.A. DuPont, Sorrel Gardner, and screenwriters John L. Batterston, Preston Sturges, and Garrett Fort, all signing on to develop the project, intending it to be a film for Boris Karloff. Following Whale's work on The Old Dark House, starring Karloff and The Kiss Before the Mirror, Whale signed on and his screenwriting colleague R.C. Sheriff developed a script in London. Production began in June 1933 and ended in August with two months of special effect work done following the end of filming. On the film's release in 1933, it was a great financial success for Universal and received strong re reviews from several trade publications, including the New York Times, which placed it among their best in film for 1933. The film spawned several sequels that were relatively unrelated to the original film in the 1940s. The film continued to receive praise on reevaluation by critics such as Carlos Clivens, Jack Sullivan, and Kim Newman, as well as being listed as one of their favorite genre films by filmmakers John Carpenter, Joe Dante, and Ray Harryhausen. In 2008, The Invisible Man was selected for the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress 
dangerous of being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer from The Invisible Man from 1933, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Literature License Podcast. We're discussing The Invisible Man from 1933. And before we get started, let's hear what David has to say about The Invisible Man. <laughs> Waiting. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so um, it was a very interesting movie. I can't believe I've never watched it in my life. So let's just, just say directly that I really disliked the character. Obviously, he kind of was playing the part of a villain. So at first, it was kind of like, okay, I've got the, I've got the experiment going. I'm invisible. Oh my god, I got to find a cure. Let me just hide away from people. And the more they got to get to him, then the more he was like, you know what, fuck it. Let me just like prank people, get angry, and just start killing people. And kind of just went with the flow and just say, okay, I'm a murderer. I like the power, all the things I could do with being invisible. So it, it kind of became like a villain. He just was loving it. Kind of made me feel like, what would I have done if I became invisible? I don't think I would have the courage of killing people if that makes sense. I would. Humanity. The worst I would. people I get. <laughs> no, I, would, I, don't, I don't. I would be too Hell scared. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the ethical repercussion, I mean, it's kind of like, nah. And At then, least you fuck know. with them. I mean, if at the very least, Miss, mischiefs, mischiefs, I could, I could like, I'm sure every human would, but killing us might be a little bit too much. I don't think I would be able to. It's too scary. <laughs> yeah, met my ex-husband. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I think I would just final destination. Everyone I hate is lies. Oh gosh, no, that's too much. That that's way, they'll, they, that way they think like they're missed by death's design. <laughs> But that that kind of but that kind of made me feel like he that was a sort of power right and it kind of let goes hand in hand the with the concept of like power corrupts. Didn't it make him crazy though? Not I, yeah. Wasn't there something that made him mean? So was it that he wanted to kill people? He was compelled to. Kill oh, people. I missed that. Okay, yeah, I must it, was, it was it was a side that. effect. Uh, it was a side effect yeah. of it, and. Um, when you oh, watch okay. all this, uh, it, it's it's mentioned in this one, and then when you, um, like, I recently watched the the whole series, like just randomly because I had the DVD set, and I was like, I, I haven't even seen know there was a for, series until I looked at uh, the Invisible Man Returns with Vincent Price as the Invisible Man, and then the Invisible Ooh. Woman. No, not uh, that. I'm talking like a series, series, like no, series. not TV. No, there, there was a TV, TV series too. in the yeah, 70s, it's on Tubi. Yeah. Oh, I swear. Yeah, oh, that was. Right? It's okay. not related to you. It's not related to these. No. It's completely unrelated. It's the Invisible Man with the wrappings. And yeah. The... Um, but there was, uh, yeah, there was the Invisible Man Returns, the Invisible Woman, the Invisible Agent, where now they sent John Hall 
to Nazi I Germany. Seen that one. <laughs> Peter Lorre's. Oh, well, that's Nazi. a that's a strange combination. I have no knowledge of well, that. It's nineteen it's nineteen forty two. So you you know you start you start going after the Nazis. Uh, Peter Lorre <laughs> uh, Peter Lorre is a Nazi in that. Oh no, he's uh, he's Japanese in that one. Peter Lorre, uh, well, he did so much to Peter Lorre. He was just about everything, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> And then uh, I think the Invisible Man's Revenge is the last one, and then there was another one that we'll we'll talk about later. But yeah, I um, but yeah, I mean that's, that's I, so and every one of them, every one of them is related. They have the same last name um, as uh, John Griffin does here. So right. Vincent Price's name was whatever Griffin. Uh, John Barrymore's character uh, who makes the Invisible Woman in uh, the Invisible Woman. So uh, are they sort of reboots? No, they're just sequels. Oh, just they, they, yeah. They they all they all had kind of in the same were, universe. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. They were sense. all descendants of John Griffin. Um, but yeah, part of it is the 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 formula itself makes you go insane because Vincent Price at the beginning of his is a really really good guy who's turned invisible because he's trying to clear himself of a murder he didn't commit. Right. But he starts going insane because the formula just does that to you. So it just it, it continues from there. Um, the thing that I really love about this movie is the comedy. Like it's it's a monster movie, but it's a funny monster. You know what? Movie. I was like yesterday years old, and I found out because I kept listening to that laugh of Claude Rains, and it was making me crazy. I know that laugh. I know that laugh. So I went and looked up, and it said Claude Rains' performance in this film inspired Mark Hamill's portrayal of the Joker. And it did. Oh. It sounded like the freaking Joker. And I'm going, I know that laugh. And it was making me insane. So I went in there and go, Claude Rains, Batman. They made the products. I could definitely see that. I never put I never put those two together. But I mean, but yeah, just I sit there and listen to his laugh if you get a chance. It, it, it's Joker. I go, it, it's they could have had an inspiration. Maybe they got inspired when they did Joker. Who knows? I mean. It didn't inspire Mark Hamill to be the voice of Joker. Laugh a Joker, but it was it was kind of interesting. Well, the 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 look of the Joker is Conrad Veidt and um uh, the man who the laughs. The man who laughs, yeah, yeah. The, that's that's which is visual. available for free on Amazon at the moment, by the way. What's that? The, the man, man who, who laughs. laughs. That the was it, that inspired laughs. that that inspired the Joker. We're, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, if you if you see if you look cool. up a photo of Conrad Veidt in that movie, you'll you'll see the the inspiration for the Joker. We'll always think of Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero was yeah you know, forty years later. He was yeah. actually in a in a apparently in a horror movie that I have to see called uh, called Two on a Guillotine. I had no idea existed until recently. I saw that years ago. Could I tell you what it's about now? No, I'd have to go back and rewatch it, but I know I've watched it. But yeah, um, but yeah, getting back to the Invisible Man before we start getting off on these weird tangents, we were talking about a great movie. Um, this is kind of the middle chapter of like, not officially, but it, it kind of feels like James Whale started injecting humor and kind of made a dark comedy with the old dark house. Then he was kind of working on it here and it kind of reaches its crescendo with Bride of Frankenstein. But this is, this is the middle one. That's like, there's so much, so much comedy in this. I absolutely the love how funny it is. Like Una yeah. O'Connor. Oh my God. I love her in anything. <laughs> that She's one fantastic. She's brilliant. I was they talking said James to... Whale to struggle to control himself because he kept laughing at her so much because her her humor. I guess she was just slapstick behind the camera and off the camera. But I mean, yeah. I've seen her. She was like in, in Robin Hood and all. I mean, she's in everything. I just love her. 
Mm-hmm. I was staple. talking to a friend of mine who said that uh, he he hated Uno O'Connor in this, and I'm oh. like, how? This is fun. It's like she was annoying. I'm like that's the point. The point is, she's supposed to be the shrewish old lady that you're supposed to hate. Like, so she, she gets d- up on that table and you see, she's like trying to throw things. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, that's not going to save you much, is it? But she jumps up on the table. It's just so typical of her. I mean, I love her. I mean, I, even I love- even everything down to just there's a portrait of her hanging in in the bedroom that they're renting out. <laughs> like, who, who the fuck wants to look at her? <laughs> It might be a deterrent. Who knows? You never know. Yeah. We, don't, we, don't have, we don't actually want anybody here. So we, you can't take that picture of my wife down. Yeah. No sex in the rooms. Here's a picture of my wife. It's, an, it's a funny scene. I see where, he, where he's injected the humor. Because there is dark humor that's in this. Well, there's a Especially lot with that. the laughter and why, yeah. when he's like kicking, when he's being, he's being mischievous as the invisible man. When he's going through town after he gets away and he just fucks with everybody. <laughs> See, that's, that's more the kind of stuff I feel like I would do. Like just kind of screw Yeah, that's kind of okay. Start, take his hat, you know? <laughs> Get the guy's hat. Yeah, something like that. That's the kind of, you know, or, or, or chasing a woman, uh, chasing a woman through through the forest while singing with only yeah. pants on. <laughs> oh my God, when his pants were coming down the Oh thing. yes. That was just terrible. <laughs> you know, I didn't remember seeing that the first time around. I don't recall that part at all when I watched like on monster movies, like on Saturdays. I don't remember that part. So that was kind of funny watching that because that's the first I've seen. That's the thing about this movie is it's it is it holds up because it's still kind of a fun movie to watch. It's like, definitely it's, still a fun movie. Yeah, it, uh, that that's 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 what stands out to me from it. I mean the effects all the effects work also, which I, I'm sure we'll, we'll get I guess to they fix. used a black velvet screen. Yeah. To uh, do this for back then. Yeah. Do you want to explain how that works time. to me? You know about this stuff. I don't get it. It's not a green screen, but it's black and white. Well, and well, you, but, you, but you wouldn't be able to use the black screen during I'm mean, a green screen during green screen. Well, before green screen it was yellow anyway. They used right. sulfur, that's what you know, but it's because it's in black. Is that screen. well it's up because it's black and white film. Right. So, so, and black and white film wouldn't pick up green anyway. So, no. But I mean, but, they had to have something to take away his features to make him look invisible. I mean, for 1933, I mean, what you also oh, have to remember is this I mean, this is talkies that just come in as well. Yeah. I mean, so they didn't you do know. bad at all for this. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And they hold off. I mean, I have the Blu ray of this. Um, we watched it in high definition. And normally, what you get with a blue screen or a green screen or black screen in this thing that you can actually see you can see like the really bad division when things go to high definition but this film doesn't have it which is quite remarkable in itself yeah. so i i was amazed with how well it held up yeah i, I watched it on blu-ray also so i was amazed at how well it held up even it's technically it. still universal monsters right yeah 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 it's part of that cycle i mean you know, they were going to make this after Dracula, but they did Frankenstein instead. And then this I guess the next Boris one. Karloff turned down the role because he wanted to be seen. He did not want a role where he wasn't going to be seen. And I found that what? kind of unusual because, I mean, you couldn't really see him when he was the mummy. He was head to toe covered. But that's probably the point. I mean, he did the, he did the mummy. He did Frankenstein. So there he is all in this makeup. So he probably figured, well, it was probably I want people to see my face so that way I can get other acting jobs. 
I won't be the man behind the mask all the time. So at this point, I think he was already doing stuff with MGM too. Uh, I think uh, uh, the ghoul, I think had come out. So I think he'd already done that. He does. He does end up doing the black cat. Right. uh, The following year with Edgar Ulmer. And oh he started God. doing a bunch of. St- he oh wait, uh, Columbia. He was doing stuff at Columbia at this point because he was. Um, yeah. Fuck, what was the name of it? Like behind the mask or something like that. He was doing. He was doing. There a was one of, called behind the mask. He was doing a couple of gangster pictures of Columbia at this point also, and I, he ended up a year or two later doing a bunch of stuff with Warner Brothers. So he was kind of bouncing around at this point with Universal. He was constantly doing monster stuff, and then. Uh, they had them in like uh, like west of Shanghai and like thrillers like that at Warner's and uh, Columbia had them for uh, for some gangster movies. So who knows? Maybe he couldn't even do it uh, because he wasn't available. For all I didn't even know that was Walter Brennan that was on the uh, the owner of the bicycle in the bar scene. Yeah, that must have been and, one of his first movies. Um, and uh, Henry Travers, who's the uh, the uh, Jim Jimmy Stewart's. Uh, uh, guardian angel and it, and it's a wonderful life that's right that's he's, right yeah he's uh you got gloria stewart well we all know her from titanic gloria it's stewart from titanic <laughs> been 80 years oh. <laughs> I, I i didn't realize i knew she was a film star but i i didn't ever think of her as being in the invisible man looks know? nothing yeah. like kate winslet nothing <laughs> no absolutely not Absolutely mm-hmm. not. So that that just totally destroyed my my viewing of. Well, to be honest, in Titanic, they didn't want Gloria Stewart was second choice anyway. There was. was Faye Ray. There was Faye Ray. They wanted so. No, they wanted no. That what's it, Pickford? They wanted her. To... Wasn't Mary Pickford be- dead by then? I don't she was know. Dead by then. It wasn't. No, it was one of them. It was not. We was Swanson. I gotta look it up. That's gonna. Yeah, be but I know they wanted Faye Ray at one point. So it's been twenty-five I mean, years. It's been eighty years. <laughs> but i mean uh, um gloria so i mean gloria stewart did a lot of um whatchamacallit anyway she did a i mean she was doing a lot of shirley temple films and stuff like that at the same time and the old the old dark house as well yeah i was gonna say she was great in, in wales previous film the old dark house she was fantastic in that mm-hmm. so well, i mean she she done her fair share of horror films as well gloria stewart i guess they saw the beauty of it oh. back then the beauty of what uh, horror movies you know before they i don't know i guess they weren't making any oscar nominations then either well no Uh, i mean because i mean when when you look at 1933 cavalcade won and who the hell talks about cavalcade king kong is probably the movie that sticks in everybody yeah you're looking at 1933 king kong is the most remembered and revered movie that year this is even more revered than cavalcade but you know that was it's it's hard to tell what's going to be the, the movie that's going to be remembered you know because here we are talking about it 90, 90 years later going hey the academy made the wrong decision <laughs> like, mm. like they they're like these schmucks on a podcast are going to talk about us in ninety mm. years that's going to I mean that'll find that name but I mean another thing is I mean horror horror films I mean we're doing quite well in the silent era as we know you know the cabinet of Doctor Calgary and Nasratu and was that, was that a talkie? Yeah. Was what a talkie? Vampire. Was that a talkie or was that? Vampire was, yeah. 
Although yeah. it's it's it, it's a talkie, but it's still very silent because Carl Dreyer just had that visual, uh, that visual sense about it. It's a very it's very eerie. It's but it's still it's it's I, it's a great great movie. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. a, it's not a lot of dialogue, but right. very yeah, very uh, very quiet, very contemplative, and very very beautiful mm-hmm. to look at too. Yeah. Well, horror. Fi- I mean, but horror films. I think that they weren't looked. I don't think they started getting looked down until like the moral majority of the fifties. Really, once the Hayes Code came in and about the disruption or the corruption of our youth and all everything like that. That's when um, horror films kind of got kind of a you know the cause of everything. Well, yeah, they kind of got the cause of everything. You know, our children are acting up because of horror films or all the other stuff. And that kind of started more in the fifties, but the thirties and forties. I mean. I mean, the horror films were quite respected. I mean, you know, you could tell by, I mean, if you look at what's coming out, they were coming out with a lot of decent horror films. So, I mean, if Roger Corman, of course, would jump on board around the 50s time. But um, but if you look at all the stuff that they were producing, I mean, they were all quite good. I mean, Val Luton was coming out with horror films that were very high caliber. And, you know, and they were, they were, and Hollywood was sinking movies, you know, sinking things. And they weren't expected ever to be seen again. But, um you know, because, you know, they didn't, you know, until the, and then when Universal started breaking them, you know, retreading them out again, yeah, and they realized how big money they were. And then, of course, you know, with television and monster movie matinees and all the other stuff coming out and stuff like that, it keeps them all very much alive. But, you know, but I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think horror films were looked down at around this time. Yeah, it was, it would be a few, I mean, they, they were kind of, I guess, viewed as like kids' stuff more more than yeah. like really looked down on as like these are terrible things um i mean some of them were really badly if you watch some of the stuff that like lugosi was doing outside of universal at this time yeah such you know, as I, I mean no was it bad bowery or was mid- it good bowery at midnight uh okay. i mean they, they were just like really cheap uh che- the, the thing is they, were, they always made money because they were really cheap and easy to make right um yeah. And, and I mean, they were schlocky, but I, I still like I, I have a hard time saying that I don't let that like they they were not good. They were not good in like the sense that they weren't like, you know, they're not going to be winning any awards. They're not technically good mm-hmm. movies, but there's a charm to them always. Um, like the Ape Man is not, you know, I love it personally because I mean, it's Lugosi and like, you know, with like fur on his face is like, you know, it's like a half man, half mm-hmm. ape. So, you're, you're, you know. There's always going to be a charm to that, but it's not. Uh, they're, they're not looked at as, you know, high art like the Universal stuff. A lot of the early Universal stuff nowadays, critically, you know, people look at and they and they love it. But I, I mean, I don't know that back then. I don't know how well the reviews would have gone. I, I think I mean, the reviews you, probably would have been quite well because if you look at the if you look at the Invisible Man, Dracula, and um, Frankenstein. They are they're they're actually films of works of art. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, Frankenstein, you know, you know, it's a it's a famous book, you know, it's like one of the best, you know, one of the best gothic novels ever written. Then you have Dracula, which is another gothic novel. Then you got H.G. Wells' Visible Man, which is H.G. Wells, The Time Machine and everything that goes along with that. So they're, they're done by so they're books written by very, very respected writers. To begin with so i think they so i think when the films came out i don't think they were considered slocky or anything like that they were considered works of art made from 
paper, you know, plastic novels. So. I was talking more about like the monogram and PRC stuff as being schlocky because these are actually yeah. very well done. And maybe some of the stuff yeah. later on in the universal cycle got a little schlocky. Um, well, when you start going into sequels and stuff like that, then yeah, yeah like the, like the, mum, the, the mummy sequels are notoriously bad, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but they're, yeah. you know, they're still fun. If you, if you like these kinds of movies and incidentally, this is the second adaptation of HG Wells that they did in like a two year period. Cause the previous year mm. universal had done the Island of Dr. Moreau as Island of lost souls. And mm reportedly i think hg wells hated that movie but he liked the invisible man he thought the invisible man did uh did his source material justice but he absolutely loathed island of lost souls which again i like (laughs) but you know it could just be the nostalgia of me watching it watching on late night tv as a little kid i also i also think that there there is a problem with i um dr what I mean, the Lost Island, Doctor Moreau, or right. I don't think there's ever, I don't think there's ever been a one hundred percent satisfactory adaptation of that book ever. I've never seen the seventies version. I don't know if it's any good. I know the nineties one with uh, Brad Pitt and Marlon Brando is, you know, I've seen that, and that is notoriously bad. But was that bad be- well. because that, I don't think that was. <laughs> I think Richard Stanley had great intentions <laughs> that Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer were just not going to allow to, to mm-hmm. actually actually work in any way. The sad thing about it is I think that if Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando had seen Hardware and they've seen um, his other movies, I think yeah. they might have been on board. It's almost like they didn't know anything about him when they came into that because I mean, he makes really good movies. I mean, the last we covered one of his films when he did the um, the, the Nicholas Cage movie, the, the, yeah, the Nicholas Cage, Cage movie, with, that, whose name is uh, Colorado Space. That's the one we did. Yeah, yeah, the color space, which is brilliant. I mean, I love hardware. Right. If any, if hardware sucks, I fancy. If you Dust want Devil. a good Dust Devil, is excellent. And if you want to see some intelligent highbrow horror, that's, that's where you should go to. Basically, hardware is uh, like so much better than terminator in a, in a lot of ways so uh, maybe that's it just uh I, I think it's just uh brando and kilmer were just in there i'm go, i'm like they, they it was like a pissing match like who's gonna come out on set last because like both both of them were like well i'm the bigger star no i'm the bigger star marlon brando's like well, i could i'm only doing this if i could wear an ice bucket on my head and whatever man brando's not coming out unless we let him wear an ice bucket on his head i guess at that well, point thing is, i mean and no one's ever had a good working relationship with val kilmer ever so apparently not yeah that bad although apparently tom cruise likes him yeah but you know he never worked with him ever again though did he <laughs> No one ever. If you look at Val Kilmer, well, they films, just made no one, another movie, Top Gun. So obviously, liked him enough to put him back in that. Well, I think they, I think they CGI'd him in. You can't well, talk. No, they didn't. He was actually in there. His, uh, his son, yeah. his they, they filmed him, and then they had Val Kilmer's son do the voice. Okay. And they, they yeah. dubbed, they dubbed Val Kilmer with his son's voice. That was his son's voice, right? Was yeah. It? Mm-hmm. That's what I had read. It was just nice. Well, you could tell he was ill in the in the film. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, to be honest, though, I mean, if you look at Val Kilmer's film career, and you can go through every single one of his films, and you go through to every single one of his actors, and hardly ever, and you know, none of them ever want to ever. Once they work with him, they never want to work with him ever again. What was wrong with them? Oh, 
He's an asshole. A dick. Oh, he was an okay. asshole. I didn't know that. I've never read anything contrary even, like that. Oh, e- even in his first film where he's um where's that piss take by the Abrams brothers? I think it's top secret or yeah, secret eight, secret agent or whatever it's that was. Something like, it's something like that. And the, yeah. yeah, and this was his first like big movie. And afterwards, the Abrams brothers, who did end up doing Airplane and all the other stuff, said they would never work with this guy ever again. And to the point that the extras were leaving the set. They couldn't keep extras on the set because of, because of his personality. What the hell was he doing? Yelling at everybody? He just, he thinks he's God's gift to the human race. He always thought he did. Oliver Stone said that if he had a gun, he would have shot him in the head during the, the wow. doors. <laughs> Jesus, I mean... Yeah, I've you know, happen to be hum- to, hop into so, the quality of being a humble. And, and I hate to say this, but you know, I have seen the documentary about Val Kilmer done by his son and stuff like this. But I have to sit there and say that maybe there's something to karma. I don't know. Maybe because you know he, you know, I mean, he was he was an okay actor. He wasn't God's gift to the human race. I mean, no. he never was. He never actually proved himself. He's done some good films, don't get me wrong, but he's never actually proved himself to have that kind of, you know. I mean, and then once once his looks, you know, started to fade, you he disappeared. Because he was super hot. He's That's the thing. He was a great looking guy. So, yeah, he was all over the place in the 80s and yeah. 90s. But yeah, but once... one, 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 one person could be great, skilled, beautiful, handsome, but what happened to be nice to other people? I mean, is it, why is that so underrated? Well, that's Hollywood for you. Well, it's, not, it's not necessarily, because I, I think the thing is, is that I think if you earned your stripes and you become an asshole after you've earned your stripes, after. I think it's, I think, Different. I think it's, it's it, it doesn't make it better, but it does kind of like, okay, we kind of understand it. But if you start off, if you start off like that and you, and you just get worse and worse, if this is your, you know, that's your starting point is being an asshole and you're just getting worse and worse as your career goes further. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't say a lot for you, does it? So, well, no. I mean, also... The yep. reason looks are so important is because you're not going to go see a movie starring a bunch of ugly people. No, you know? you're not. You're no, not. if I want to see ugly people, I'll just go walk down the street. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no offense to 90% of the human race. Most of us don't look like, you know, Val Kilmer when he was 25. <laughs> I, I, I beg to differ because, I mean, you, you have, um, I don't know, you have makeups and then you have CGI. And then not only that, sometimes it just, doing movies because of the concept or whatever you were ex- explaining to people or whatever. Like I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to mention a movie that I loved and I cry every time I watch it. Have you ever watched this comedy, like romantic comedy called Shallow Hole? Shallow Hall. Yeah. I've seen Shallow it. Hall. Yes. Yeah. That, that movie kind of explains it. Uh, like, I think it's what matters Black, about right? the look. Yes. Yes. That's him. <laughs> yeah. So who cares about the look at the end of the day, you watch a movie because of an when actor can... or of a story or whatever. I mean, at least I do. But I mean, you're, I don't you're... Care about the look. You're right, but at the same time, you know. Hey, did you know we have a body count for this movie of 122 people? Yes, because of the train. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I would throw that out there before I forget. Well, I I mean, I don't know if we get it. You got four murders depicted directly on screen, 18 search party members off screen and the derailment of the train which results in 100 deaths in total he says at least 100 122 people at least 100 one of the most bloodthirsty villains of old universal horror films of all movies in general okay 
I didn't know that. Jason, <laughs> no. Jason Voorhees, ha- you know, uh, Jason Voorhees has numbers like that, but he had 13 movies. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Well, this is one movie <laughs> made in 1933 was the ultimate kill, you know, mm-hmm. kill count. There was, there, there was, was yeah. there was one movie James A. Janice uh, covered on uh, on Dead Meat, where uh, apparently they explode the, the, the at the end of the movie. It's some cheap low budget movie. They explode the whole planet. It's like, well, I guess technically we got a new winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I think the Invisible Man really lives up lives up to its expectations and stuff like that as well. well does. I, I think it definitely does. I think it's uh, still one of the uh, still relevant. It's still fantastic. I mean, and, and earlier on, Keith mentioned in the uh, the, uh, the description, it inspired John Carpenter. It inspired Joe Dante. Carpenter ended up making an Invisible Man movie with another known asshole, Chevy Chase. What about yeah. the 2006 one with Kate Moss? That was some fucked up shit. 2006? 2020? 2000, wait, 2000, when was it? 2020? Yeah, you're talking about Elizabeth Moss. Oh, wait, 2020, yeah. Yeah, no, you're talking about Elizabeth Moss as well, not Kate Moss. Not Kate Moss, Elizabeth Moss. I stand yeah. corrected. Yeah. I get those two um, all the time, even though they don't yeah. look nothing alike. But that was a weird movie. I've never seen it before until a couple weeks ago. That, 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 is, that is a great movie. I, I loved, loved it. I thought yeah. I was going to need it. Um, I totally couldn't stop watching it. It's really, really, really good. Um, Especially when you get to how he made himself invisible. It's like, wow. And it's so frustrating. That movie at the end, it's just like, Oh my God! <laughs> that's know? that's Lee Wan L for you, man. He is oh a fantastic. Oh my God! It was the most. He's a fantastic writer and a fantastic ending. director. I love fantastic Lee Wan L's director, work. but I hated how he the anxiety and the stress. Like I feel so bad for her. Somebody was dead. <laughs> well, I, do you because do you I, because I think I think if I was married to her, I probably would beat her as well. <laughs> <laughs> That was just a messed up movie. It really was bad. I loved it. I thought I was going to hate it, but I enjoyed it. Somebody told the me to thing, watch it. The thing now. about Lee Wanell, and I, I, I just watched Sinister the other night. So Scott Derrickson does this too, and James Wan does it in the Insidious movies. They have they have cracked the code to make you completely anxiety ridden through every movie that, that of theirs that they make. Because what they'll do is, let's say right now, Vicky is prominent on my screen. Um, and there's a there's a door behind her. What you do is you make the door really dark. You move Vicky all the way to the side. So you have all this empty space and you have a dark door and you leave the door open because now you're all you're all the way over on one side and you're giving you're giving me anxiety because I'm looking over here going, wait a minute, if she's all the way over here, there's going to be something over there. And it just keeps you unnerved the entire time. Juan did it with the insidious movies. Derrickson did it with uh, with Sinister and um, Lee Wanell did it with the the Invisible Man. That fucked me up. The demon with the fucking tiny shit. They go through the tulips. I never forgot that scene ever in that song. Every time I hear it, I think of that movie and that scene. Have you seen the the slasher movie with uh, Tiny Tim as a killer clown? Yes. Oh, what was that? Blood Harvest. Harvest. I love Blood Harvest. I fucking love Blood Harvest. It's so so fucked. It is. That's so bad. It's good. That's one of the movies that I'm talking about where it's so bad that it circles around itself and becomes amazing again. Uh, Tiny Tim was some seriously fucked up shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
we should cover Blood Harvest just for shits and giggles someday. That was a good. Movie. <laughs> I'm down with that. I, I I would totally do Blood Harvest. Do Blood Harvest, and I don't yeah, know, maybe harvest. we could probably get if um uh, uh what the hell's his name the the director Bill Rabane. We could probably get him. So I know some people who know him. And apparently he was going to premiere this film festival that I was uh, I was a judge for. They were going to premiere a three hour version of Blood Harvest because he apparently wow. has a three hour cut. Wow. And no kidding. I don't know if I ever I, I, I was looking forward to it. I don't know if I would have left it like sane, but apparently he has he, it. Just the way he did his clown makeup. I hate fucking clowns as it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we. It, it, I mean, we do have that marked down. It won't be marked down for next season, but the season after that, it's going to be part of our WTF season. Yes. All right. We're doing a WTF season. Good, 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 good. Oh, um, boy. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of taking the piss out of shit when that one comes. <laughs> oh, I mean, we're going to do, I mean, we'll probably do some John Waters films and we'll probably do some like Thunder, Thundercrack and Spider oh, Baby. Oh, I love Thundercrack just so we can do a podcast on fucking Thundercrack. So don't make my purchase go to ways. Because Scott comes no. in and watch. He goes, "What the fuck are you watching?" I go, "It's black and crack." I love. I love <laughs> when people. I love when people see what I'm watching. Like sometimes, like, like I think last night I sent you. I sent you video because I was watching this Jess Franco yeah. film from the '90s with Michelle Bauer as the Frankenstein monster, and I'm like, "What is? What is this fucking movie?" And it's so strange. But sometimes I, I just want people to no, like I just will find the weirdest shit to watch sometimes. You do, man. <laughs> I don't even know where you are or how you find it, but he sends a link and I usually end up watching it. <laughs> I, uh, I just I, I'm just constantly bouncing all over the place, watching whatever whatever I can get my hands on that I that I want to see. And it's sort of um, like you said, there's just no way we could possibly watch all of it. No, that's what somebody the other day when I when I uh, mentioned that it was my first time watching Sinister I was like, wait, you haven't seen Sinister? I know. So you haven't I should, seen I should that yet. I, I should revoke your horror your horror uh, uh, horror fan card. I'm like, whatever, man. Like, there's I I still I haven't seen Sinister, but I've still seen more than you. <laughs> I guarantee I've still seen more than you. Um, there's a hundred like I tell people all the time. There's 150 years of cinema history out there. I know. You will never live long enough to see it all. Just do our best, try to catch awesome. it when we can. Try the 30s and 40s, but what an epic era, though, for film. Yeah, this is a, this is a like The Invisible Man is just a fantastic movie. The effects still hold up, the comedy still holds up. And Pete, well, actually, this is the first movie he kind of interjected. Was it Lamel that interjected the um, or was it the not Lamel, but oh, Lemley? Yeah, is that how you say it? Lemley, yeah, Carl Lemley. He was the My mother uh, always says Lamel. Or, I don't know why. Uh, we're going to, but he, but he actually started. But none of the other monster movies had any dark comedy in them. This was like the first, right? I mean, uh, old Dark Mars. House, Old Dark House. Had Did a that lot have of dark comedy, comedy in it? Yeah, that had a lot of dark comedy in it. Um, that's a, that's Brian, a, Fra- Frankenstein had some comedy in it. Well, that as came well. after this, though. Yeah, yeah, that that was after this, and then um, um, Freaks. Did that have some comedy in it? Freaks did. That was MGM though. That was 1932. Uh, yeah, Freaks mm. was MGM though. This was this was a uh, Lemley mm. letting letting James Whale. Such a weird that movie just that that movie has got to be one of my favorite freaky ass movies. 1932 ever is Freaks. Love I mean, it. I, I think that 
they, after the success of Frankenstein, I think they just let James Whale do whatever he wanted. Just do whatever he wanted to. Okay, uh, that's that's well, that's when he interjected. The, he's the one interjected the humor into this because yeah, I, that, that's what I was like because I wasn't. Ex- I've watched this a million times, but I never picked up on the dark comedy until when I was older watching. He's it. he was he's an old theater guy, and he he surrounded himself with these people who were just naturally funny. Uh, Ernest Thesiger, who. Uh, who's in both old dark house and, um, and bride of Frankenstein. He's not in this. Um, he just, he just, Uno O'Connor, who's in a lot of his movies. Uh, whale just had a way about him that he, he could, uh, he could bring the humor out of, out of this kind of like semi-serious story. Claude Rains though, delivered very well. Rains is fantastic. Um, and it's, he was, um, was he, um, you know he was on was screen for 95 percent of this film just covered up either by clothes or by black velvet so we couldn't but see he him. never actually appears on screen until the very last moment after he dies yeah. and as he starts to kind of show up and the this is the movie that made- part the body cat can't kill me 122 because i didn't even equivocate that till i started reading by the calendar on the wall of the police station, it's around 101 in the month of January. In the novel, the story begins in early February. Ooh. Interesting. Okay, so that was just a, just a mistake? I, I, didn't I don't know. There that. was a few mistakes in here, though. I didn't catch it. Part of the I mean, original it's... stock theater package of 52 universal titles released to television in 1957 mm-hmm. followed a year later was Son of Shock, which added 20 more features. What does that well, this... mean to you? Well, these movies kind of gave birth to the horror host in that way because, like, everyone buy these shock theater packages. All the TV stations would buy them, and they'd be like, "Well, what are we going to do with these old movies?" So what they do is they pull the weatherman and give an extra fifty bucks a week, tell him dress up as a vampire or mad scientist, and present this movie. <laughs> That's you know gives birth to you know Goularty and Zachary and uh, Sven Gulli and all these. But yeah, the shock theater packages brought that about. Also, the Invisible Man and the Creature from the Black Lagoon are the only universal monsters that were never used later by Hammer, unlike Dracula, Frankenstein's character and creature, the Wolfman, and the Mummy. So they never used the Invisible Man. I didn't notice. I guess I didn't notice. I never well, probably couldn't get the rights to the novel. I mean, Universal probably held on to the to the novel rights uh, pretty tightly. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Dra- Dracula and Frankenstein had fallen into the public domain by the time Hammer was doing stuff. And, and, and H.G. Really... Wells, H.G. Wells was alive during the time machine or something because he was he. When did he die? I don't know. Couldn't that up now. The nineteen sixty time machine. I can't imagine he was still alive at that point. Um, no, no, he died in nineteen forty six. So okay, okay. So, so we're we're talking about the Rod Taylor time machine, right? I thought right. so. I th- but maybe maybe his estate maybe it's his estate that approved of it. So I know yeah. I know when we covered the time machine, I know. Something of HG Wells approved of it, so I'm like, obviously it must have been as a state. Oh, you guys then. already did the time machine. I love the time machine. Yeah, so, I did love the time machine. But the, the, the I one think it, the Morlocks, part, Morlocks. Someone kept saying the, the Morlocks. Morlocks were. They are Morlocks. They are not warlocks. Like mm, I, it was part of our as part of our book to screen. I love the did, book um, too. I love we did, Victor- did Victorian novels. So, but the um, for that. Uh, but as for Hammer, you know, Dracula was in the public domain by that point. Frankenstein was in the public domain at that point. Their Wolfman wasn't really the, you know, uh, it wasn't Larry Talbot. You know, Oliver Reed's character was not uh, 
it was completely yeah. unrelated because anybody could do a werewolf story. It's part of, you know, right, war. right, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The Mummy, I guess. I don't know how. Maybe they just got the rights to the Balderson play. Honestly, well, it was the mu- other than the, the mummy, but the mummy, but the mummy is not copyrighted anyway because that's all that's based true. on that's historical fact, isn't it? That there are mummies. So that's there true. are mummies, yes, but they don't normally come together, come alive, and bring the seven yeah. plagues of Egypt with them. So yeah, I but, mean, the, but, the, but the but <laughs> the yeah, but I mean, if you look at like the Invisible Man, I mean, it's probably a copyrighted character where you can't copyright yeah. the mummy, you can't copy werewolves. So right, you know. You know, and if you if you I mean you only have one werewolf in it, so it's a were you know the werewolf. You know what I mean? Get two yeah. werewolves. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, they they also went and did the the Gorgon, the Medusa head uh, movie. So I watched that a couple yeah. weeks ago. That was so good. That was fucked up. The Gorgon. So. The little the little thingies on her head. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, James Whale. <laughs> I gotta James- figure out how to dress like that for Halloween. I just can't get real snakes in my hair. <laughs> James Well, though, he had a, you know, he had a great <laughs> run at off, Universal. Huh? Mm. But James Well had a great run at Universal because he had the, you know, he had the old dark house. He had, uh, you know, Frankenstein, old dark house, Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, Showboat, uh, mm. which mm. did really well. And I think it was The Way Back was where he kind of. I haven't seen that one. No, um, he kind of lost control of it. And after that, uh, I think it, 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 it what, lost a lot of money. What do you think it got too big for him or? It, uh, from what from what I understand behind the scenes, it, it just wasn't working out for him. And then uh, after that, he was kind of relegated back to the B unit, and he was doing. Uh, oh wow! Know, I didn't know that. Green Hell and um, you know stuff like that. That which I I don't hate Green Hell. I don't you know whatever. But um, God, there was another one too that did not do well, and I'm I'm struggling to remember the name of it. For the most part, though, he enjoyed success for most of his career, though, correct? Yeah, but then once once he went back to doing B-level stuff, he kind of just, like, uh, after the 40s, he really wasn't around anymore, and then... Uh, what is the cheesiest movie you know out of this era? Cheesiest? Oh, the worst. The most fucked up horror. I mean, I'm just thinking about it. But I mean... As- uh, is it plan nine would you say it was plan nine plan nine's, plan nine's 50s it's late 50s, 50s. Oh, okay well I mean, let's go between then and there what is the most is it always going to be ed wood films well ed wood still is the 50s so this era is a totally okay. different era but something um, comparable what would be comparable to ed wood in the 30s Watch like the Lugosi movies outside of universal because some yeah. of those are I, really i don't schlocky. believe i've seen any of those uh yeah, the ape man, and then there's like the the the, the East Side Kids. Uh, well, I love the East movie. Side Kids. There's the East Side Kids Lugosi movies, which are also really oh, Spooks Run Wild is cheesy as hell. Is it really? But it's fun. Long time actually. It's fun. It's fun because it's just what the fuck. Like there, there's there's a scene where the you know the East Side Kids. Is that are with the Bowery Boys. Oh. Yeah, Bowery Boys, okay, East Side okay. Kids, Dead End Kids. They're all the same kids. They're cutting through a cemetery, and the cemetery caretaker shows up with a shotgun and just starts shooting at them. And I'm like, they're children. They're, <laughs> they're kids. You're just shooting at kids. Um, what was oh, that movie with, uh, with Mitchum, Robert Mitchum? He was after the two kids. What the hell? Night of the Hunter. Yes. Night Night Hunter. Hunter. Can we do that? The, 
Yeah, we did that. That was part of we our did book do screen. That. I love that movie. I don't know why. That's sorry. I'm ADHD today. That one's just, uh, I mean, that one's not cheesy at all. That's just a fantastic No, I movie. love it. I just, it just pops into my head. I can't help it when things just pop into my head. But I mean, he had a reason, well, bad as the reason was. You you right. know why he's doing it. The, the, this this random cemetery caretaker in Spooks Run Wild just he sees him. Watch that now. It's gonna bug. It's me. it's a cheesy it's a cheesy one, but it's actually a fun one. I get a list. I already get a list by looking at his flipping Facebook, and then when I talk to him for like two hours, I just keep writing down more shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's a walking what? encyclopedia. It's, it's, it's horror, yes. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because Sean will Sean will play these videos from JoeBlow.com where he'll be like, uh, "These ten great horror movies you've never seen," and I'm like, "I've seen that one. I've seen that one. I've seen that one." <laughs> Sean's like, they're, it's like "They're not talking about you. <laughs> you've seen every fucking thing." I'm at the point where um, there's a there's a list of all the horror movies made on like a, a, like certain years, like 1942. I'm down to like I think I've I've seen all of them, but three or something. So like, I just got to track down those last three. So you can say I've seen oh my every god, horror you movie haven't seen them. Uh, I'm the same way though. I remember like that list that came out. It's like I think like horror films. You have to like check all the ones that you've seen. And I think I think there's like a hundred and there was a hundred something. I did and I just I think there's like only 20 or 22 that I hadn't seen yeah. on this list. That's that's usually how it is with me and it's usually the more recent yeah. stuff. Like when like mm. like once you get to like after 2010, like I start to get a little more fuzzy with them cuz but at that point there's just such a deluge of them because it's uh like anybody with a video camera can make a horror movie now and that's true. Yeah, they got what do you call it? Uh they've got uh Pan panoramic whatever. Yeah, you can you can make, know, a, make a movie on your iPhone. You can make a movie on your iPhone. Yeah, they got now. What's it called? Oh, pan. What is it? Cinematic. You got a whole cinematic thing. And, you can make a movie. Just that. If you make a movie, Tubi will put it on. Really? You you won't get paid, but they will put of it on. Of course not. <laughs> it's that's because the market's love. so flooded. It's because oh. the market's so flooded though, because there's so many of them. That's what I was saying about Scream Queens. I feel so bad because so many people want to be found and then, you know, just get in the orbit of someone who can just well, take them to their dream. You know? the, I mean, the thing is, you can't, yeah, the thing is, I mean, and, and this is this is where they go wrong. Mm -hmm. You can't start out thinking, I want to be a Scream Queen because oh, yeah. you can't self-promote yourself as a Scream Queen. What Scream makes you a Scream Queen is the public who makes you a Scream Queen. You can't yeah. make yourself a scream queen. Jamie Lee Curtis didn't go, oh, I want to be a scream queen, so I'm going to make these films. Or Linnea Quigley goes, I want to be a scream queen, so I'm going to make these films. It's the audience that gave her that title. They didn't give that They don't. You can't give that title to yourself. And this is where these people are going wrong, because I want to be a scream queen. Well, you can't, because you can't be that. The public yeah. has to dictate what you're supposed to be and what you're going to be. <laughs> To really be a scream queen, you have to be in like a string of like horror hits. If you're in uh, like a Saw, bunch of things like that, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Sha uh, Shawnee Smith from the Saw movies. I would say she's a scream queen. Mm -hmm. Even Did though you she's see that there was. For, uh, sorry, Joe. I didn't want to lose my train of thought real quick. There was a series out there. It was a reality show. The next scream queen. They were going to supposed to put that whoever won was supposed to go in that sixth Saw movie. 
Did anybody ever finish watching that? Or did you watch? I know Keith, you remember. You I mean, it. she might have gotten like a little bit walk on role or something, but that's probably it. Like, I got. I never watched Scream this. Queen. I don't know if she watched. But 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 that but that in itself is kind of stupid because oh, we're gonna find the next Scream Queen. But again. You can find the next screen queen. You can put her into a movie, and be, and the movie can do well. It doesn't necessarily mean that the public are going to consider her a screen queen. Right. It's like it's, it's, you have to be in a string. Thing. Like Jamie Lee Curtis didn't become a screen queen from Halloween. She became a screen queen because she did Halloween, Terror Train, Prom, Prom Night, Night all right. these you know uh, road games, Terror all Train. these movies. The Fog. Linnea, the Fog. Linnea Quigley didn't become a scream queen because she was in you know Return of the Living Dead. She's in Return of the Living Dead, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Nightmare right. Sisters, all these movies that people. Silent Night, like, Deadly Night. Remember her Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, you Night have to like demons. actually. But the but if you're you can't call yourself a scream queen if you're on if you're uh, if you're only in ten movies on Tubi that nobody's ever seen. Gotcha. Yeah. And another another thing you need to also remember is is that Linnea Quigley and Jen um and Jamie Lee Curtis didn't get rich making horror films. They no. didn't get paid a lot. You know, they, I mean, they're like, good and go. It's not, you know, it's, you know, it's over time that, you know, and to be honest, Lanaya Quigley and Jamie Lee Curtis, they didn't really become, J uh, Jamie Lee Curtis became a screen queen for after she stopped making horror films. And then everyone referred her to as a screen true. queen. That's true. So I mean, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. Places, and then she was screen queen. Then that's when she got her title and she did Trading Places, yeah, which yeah. that's when she stopped making horror films. Yeah, exactly. Jamie Lee Curtis made her fortune outside because she became a legitimate mainstream star. Linnea Quigley, she she's in a lot more movies than Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Because she's a she's, cult star, though. Kind she's of, I never, guess, yeah, right? she's never had the she's never had the luxury of being able to say no to anything. She oh. never got paid a lot for any of these movies. But she's so, so she just so deserves the notoriety, though. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I enjoy her. But at the same, seen her in. But at the same time, she you know I mean, and if you look at Jamie Lee Curtis's horror films and Linnea Quigley, they don't get residuals every time they show on television. Not like now that's written contracts. Yeah. That's a shame that they don't. Well, because well, video wasn't a thing. Yeah, DVD wasn't a thing. Blu-ray wasn't a thing. Television sales were. You know, it was questionable. Uh, you know, you know, Bays of the Sleazerama was going to get a television HBO premiere or anything, but right. you know, they That's... didn't write them in the contracts. And the thing is, is you know, now I mean, now things now we know everything goes to like you know that you know they will be seen again. There will there might you know it might show up on Shutter or DVD even, or Blu-ray and everything. So now it's written now. In contracts. Even now, it's not like the movies that Linnea Quigley or Brink Stevens or Michelle Bauer or any of the, you know, the, the you know, the more um, uh, the low budget scream queens. It's not like those movies are, are getting any TV airplay anywhere, you know. See, you that was posted something the other day ago, which I totally agreed with, that people are just gotten away from you have to have 600 million zillion dollars to make a movie. Oh. I and say you that can all the make time. Such a great movie without six hundred gozillion dollars, but nobody well, that, wants to back that. But that's that's the thing. I think Universal's finally discovering it because Cocaine Bear was only like fifty million dollars, and, it's, and off the charts. it's making a shit ton of money. And it's like good, good because uh, I, I think I sent you the video because it, it was uh, two guys uh, from Milwaukee. Uh, uh, yeah, th they were doing yes. Red Letter Media, and they were talking about how Cocaine Bear 
is pulling in all this money. And, they're, and yeah. later on in the review, they're like, oh, they realize that, you know, we can make 10 cocaine bears and all of them make money instead of spending $697 million on one Jurassic Park movie, hoping, sitting there sweating at night, hoping it makes a profit. I know. Because did they make, I don't even think they made a huge amount on that last Jurassic Park movie though. Well, I mean, I mean but, but they, the thing is, they, they no, but they will make their money on it eventually. They will, no. and merch and everything else. But, but they go to DDR. That, mm, but mm. you have a, but you, but when your 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 budget no for your movie is six hundred million dollars, it's going to be a lot harder to recoup they that recoup. than you know forty million. That was or 50 the whole million. point of the article or what you sent me because they were talking about why don't people just make movies without. A thousand million. Because, even now, even today, uh, the John Wick, the new John Wick movie comes out, and I think the budget on that is only like fifty million or something like that, which is weird saying only fifty million because budgets of movies have gotten <laughs> yeah. so astronomically ridiculous, and we're talking about fifty million like it's a low budget well, movie. Everybody wants to get paid the big bucks, don't they? Well, I mean, the thing, I mean, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I think the problem basically is that nowadays people don't really are not going to the cinema like they used to. So you got that problem. Me and Asher on. had the whole cinema to ourselves last week. It was just and, it was just him. I took a picture of him standing here all by himself. But but the thing is, is then because of that, Hollywood instead of like going, okay, let's make let's make smaller pictures that people will probably go and see. Um, what they're doing is like, okay, well, we need, we need to make bigger pictures because the bigger the picture, that way, you know. And as Hollywood's been doing this for years, when television came along, that's why you got catastrophes like Cleopatra and shit like that coming yeah. out. <laughs> you know, it's like, because it's like, oh, we need to get people away from the TV sets. So we're going to spend millions and millions and all this money on this. Oh, uh, Cleopatra with, with uh, and no one, Liz Taylor. Liz, that was a disaster. <laughs> But no, but nobody went, and that was the problem. And then, yeah. and then they would make, and then they would make like this little-known film, like Plan of the Apes, and it was like a box office smash. And Plan of the Apes didn't cost hardly anything. It's and amazing they the, never learned their lesson. Yeah, you think they'd listen to us? They Halloween, need to turn well, into the literary life. Halloween, tiny Halloween was made with a tiny budget. Mm. The original yeah. Halloween was made with a tiny budget, mm. and it's a staple now. And they're still raking in money off of it. Right. Friday the Thirteenth, another thing that was very cheap yeah. to make, and those are movies that Paramount was, you know, embarrassed by. New Line, the, the house New that Line, Freddie built. Exactly, yeah. I was going to say exactly that. New Line Cinema was the house that Freddie built. I did not like that one where they diverted from the the true Freddy Krueger. Sucked balls. I did not like the Which new Freddy Krueger. Oh, the 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 remake was terrible. Oh God! I couldn't. I, I don't even have any good things. Well, to say it's, it's like the Friday the Thirteenth. Um, that's the Michael Bay series of retreads. I like I think, the Friday the Thirteenth one though. It was okay. I mean, the thing is, it's really kind of hard to shove all this mythos into one movie that took four movies to get. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. So you know, it's like you know, so you got him, and then you got like you know, you know, the mother I, and the all the other stuff went with it. So it was kind of like it was messy. Yeah. I. It, yeah, I, I mean, I never, it, it is messy, but then again, it's not like the lore of the Friday the 13th movies was ever supposed to be like anything. Yeah. They, they couldn't figure it yeah. out half the time. Yeah. I mean, they probably would better off like maybe like putting, you know, fr- leaving the one the side and just doing two and three together or something. I mean, I'm saying that they could have done that. I think throwing the mother in there and it's kind of hard. Then you kind of like. I mean, if I you mean, would have done I, just the mother and then, yeah, maybe. 
but yeah, it's only because I mean, I I mean, I I was okay for me because I know I mean I'm a huge fan, but right. I know people who went to see it who don't know anything about Friday Thirteenth. They were fucking confused. <laughs> I mean, I know people who love the Friday Thirteenth movies and hate that remake, and I'm like, it's literally every single Friday the Thirteenth movie. It's oh, I mean, it's Jason going after teenagers camping in the woods. You have tits. You have Jason. Yeah. You have murders. Boom. Formula. Done. Yeah, but I also think it's... But you never get to spend any time with any of the victims. That's the problem, I think. And that's, you know, like, in Friday the 13th, okay, they do get... You get you all this teenage fonder, and they're all, they're all there to get killed off. But at the same time, you kind of get to know shirts. them a little bit, sort of thing. But, most you know, you of, most of the characters in the remake are fucking but, douchebags anyway. Yeah, no. And that, and that's, I think that's the, that's the problem, sort of thing. You know, it's like... And, you know, it's and, and just, not the same. Every every yeah, once in a every yeah. once in a while, just to tweak Shanta a little bit because she fucking hates this movie. I'll text her, There's "Whoa, one. babe, you've got like purple, you got like perfect nipple placement." She hates that movie so much, what and movie? she hates that the Friday Thirteenth remake because oh. there's that scene where the guy the guy's having sex with the hot girl, and he looks at her, and he's just like looking up at her while, while she's riding him, and he says, "Babe, you've got like perfect nipple placement." And I remember <laughs> laughing at that, going, "Who the fuck says that?" Uh, who wrote that weird <laughs> guy that you picked up i guess but um you know but i mean a lot of those michael bay i mean i i i think the only one that they actually did decently i think t- the, the texas chainsaw massacre was texas bad. chainsaw massacre is the best one of the bunch definitely yeah that yeah, one's actually one pretty or good. the old one the 2003 they, the, one yeah the 2003 one jessica alba that one that was actually yeah. a decent movie is that the one and, nobody can find? I can forget. There's one I can't find. There's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, no matter what. I have to really search for it. There's it's none I can't find. They're they're all pretty easy to find. Uh, they're all pretty there's easy to find. find. The, the, the hardest one might be the Rene Zellweger and the Matthew McConaughey one. That's Sometimes hard. that can that's be it. Uh, Shout, Shout Factory put that out, so it's that's it's out it. there now. Yeah, I I just there. I just don't own it. That's the only one I don't I don't own, and it's well, like, it's a bad it's a really bad film anyway. It's so. it is. It really is. That's probably why I have a hard time finding it. But every once in a while, I like to revisit. No, you have a hard, you have a, you have a hard time finding it because Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey tried to hide it. There, there, there's before Stop Factory kind of were able to release it. They were kind of like there's a lot of they yeah. It sat on a shelf it. for like three years before it even got released. Like it was shot in 1994. It so didn't come out till like 97, 98. Uh, Kim Henkel, who was mm. one of the um one of the original creators of uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What happened? I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre makes Halloween look like it's chronically ordered uh, legit. <laughs> I mean, there's stories all over the place. Halloween stories all over the place as well. I was like, well, if you're trying to get times. a timeline out of all of them consistently, it's never going to happen. We've discussed that. Now- not with Halloween or Halloween or Texas Chainsaw. The Texas, at all. Well, Hall- Halloween, you can kind of divide the timelines. Because you, you go, you times, know, there's three or four times, I think. Yeah, there's yeah. one, uh, you have one, two, four, five, six. Then you have mm-hmm. one, two, and H2O and Resurrection. Then you have one, then the 2018 movie, then Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Uh-huh. I think that's all of them. I think that's I think that's the timeline. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's like a different family every time. 
Yeah. I think one I think one and two tie in together. One and two tie in together perfectly. Three Leatherfaces with a totally different family. Four Leatherfaces with another different family. Uh, Then there's a remake. The remake has its prequel. Then there's a 2013 one where where it's ignore every movie in between. This is the direct sequel to the 1974 movie. Um, And that's the one where they couldn't. That's the one where the writers couldn't do math because. it's set in uh, our uh, um, Alexandra Daddario, who's like 25 years old, is supposed to be the little baby at the beginning of, Tex- of, uh, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2013. Oh, okay. But, which, is set in, which is set in 1974, but the current movie is set in modern times, but somehow she's 20 years old. Oh yeah, that was I. I totally don't understand any of that. that yeah. is, and it's also the one where where Leatherface somehow manages to use his chainsaw to cut open just her shirt, so her, so we get all of Alexandria Daddario's uh, side boob out. Right. Somehow, yeah. somehow he manages to slice right through that shirt, and nothing else. I mean, the only thing I learned is that Leatherface. I learned that Leatherface and Foster out more times than an ugly redheaded stepchild. <laughs> yeah, because the, the 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 new one where he just escaped the house and he's been living in this school for like yeah. fifty years. Uh, no one's noticed. Uh, yeah, no no one's noticed this giant hulking beast that uh, has a very short fuse and wipes people out with chainsaws. Yeah, and, <laughs> no, no one's noticed. And, and and wearing teachers face, female teachers face running around the hall. <laughs> But yeah, I mean there there are some good there are some good decent um, chainsaw movies in there, but they're just I mean I I do like I like the one with um with Lily Taylor in it. I quite enjoyed that one, the one that was shot in Spain. That was um, called, I think it's called Leatherface. Oh yeah, that's it's like an origin the, story. Yeah, the origin story of Leatherface. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, I like that. That's one. that's that the cool prequel one. to the 2013 requel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I don't remember seeing any chainsaws in the 30s and the 40s, but I'm sure there's probably a movie with one that I just don't remember. Hayes Code wouldn't have allowed it. The Hayes Code yeah. never. Well, that didn't come to what? 1950. 34. 34. Was that, what, wasn't the 30s? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They got the Catholics but, got really upset. What was about the icing the on the cake? Was it freaks or what was? Sign it? of the Cross. Okay. Sign of the Cross and and gangster films. Well, I knew gangster films and uh, the Black Cat because the that that the one where he skins Sa- Boris Karloff alive. Yeah, that one. Had, <laughs> yeah, that is that my favorite. One getting, of my favorite scenes. Karloff getting everything. skinned alive. Um, you had incest. You had Satanism and the the oh, haze was right. like no, no this. That's right. That was creepy, fucking weird. I didn't even think of that. And that to was, be honest, uh, and some of it was, you know, some of it was kind of anti-Catholic as well. That's probably what they were yeah, more thanks. upset with. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were more. They, they weren't like it wasn't like it was like going to ruin the fabric of American society. It's like, oh my God, they're telling they're they're making fun of us. <laughs> Have this. We need the haze code. So. Yeah, what about your killjoys? I guess 
we should do is probably rate um, <laughs> the Invisible Man <laughs> before we move on to the next one. So, Vicky, how many stars would you give the Invisible Man? Oh, absolutely five for obvious reasons. It's mm. just a great movie. You're, I mean, you've given all the explanation you need to hear. It's just a good movie. What about yourself, David? How many stars do you give it? Definitely five stars. I really liked the movie. Incredibly good. I'm proud of you, David. Five stars. <laughs> David's first five stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first one. I've given five stars to the movies. The ones related <laughs> to the books. But um, this, uh, this was actually a winner. I know. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely a winner for me. I really, really liked it. What about yourself, Joe? Uh, easy five. I, I love James Wells sure. films. Uh, and this is one of the best films he ever made. So mm. absolutely five stars. And I'm going to give it a solid five as well. So. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them by email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at crunchy cold one 805 we love them so much here at the literary license podcast that we use them ourselves but i'd rather be different than be the same oh. Well, this brings us to our next film, which is Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, which is a 1951 American science fiction comedy film directed by Charles Lamont and starring the team of Abbott and Costello alongside Nancy Guild. The film depicts the misadventures of Lou Francis and Bud Alexander, two private detectives investigating the murder of a boxing promoter. The film was part of a series in which the duo meet classic characters from Universal Staples, including Frankenstein, the Mummy, and the Keystone Cops. What we can do is cut to the trailer of Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, and we'll be right back. Now, don't give me that invisible stuff again. Honest. And there were footsteps with no feet. And a grip that was unpacking itself. All right, boys, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> They're private eyes, they are. And they're tickled to death, as you may be, that their first job is a murder case. Only a man they can't see is driving them to distraction. I said pull over to the... A blonde is trying to booby-trap them. And the syndicate is trying to set them up for a quick one-two. <laughs> Buddy, you know I'm no fighter. Oh, what's the difference? Look, watch this. My 
Haskell is worried, too, about the... About the effect of the drug on my mind? Invisibility gives me a sense of power, for good or for evil. Neither of you get a chance to tell the cops anything. Hello, pal, let's talk this thing over. Let's go. License podcast, and we're discussing Abbott Costello meet the Invisible Man. And starting with you, Joe, what are your thoughts of Abbott Costello meet the Invisible Man? Um, I threw it on the other night, and it was it was kind of late. And uh, my roommate Sean, you guys know from the the, the Batman podcasts, mm-hmm. um, he was still up, and he was about to go to bed. <laughs> and I threw it on, and like the first couple minutes. He he started getting into it and like he like he had to go to work the next day, but he stayed up and watched most of the movie. It still holds up. It's still really, really funny. Mm-hmm. The effects are really, really good. There's a couple moments where like you can kind of see the outline of the black velvet. Um, mm-hmm. but it overall it still works. I like Some that little st- nod to Claude Rains, the picture. Yeah, the foot. Yeah. Incidentally, this is like I, I mentioned earlier, I'd watched the entire Invisible Man series somewhat recently. Right. And then I just watched the Invisible Man and uh, Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man this week to uh, uh, prep for this. This is the only movie where the scientist who creates the Invisible Formula isn't a descendant of Claude Rains, but apparently right. he's related in oh. some way or he's uh, so, some kind of... Um, Friend of the family, acolyte of his, the acolyte of his. Let's say, because uh, he's got the the photo of Claude Rains on the wall, which I I really enjoyed this one. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I like the slapstick, uh, the slapstick of it. I like combining it with like a a boxing noir movie. Which I didn't know that Lucas Dello was a boxer, an actual boxer, until this movie when I started reading about it. Yeah, he won thirty two fights before he finally got knocked out. And he quit because his mother didn't want him boxing. <laughs> and then he ended up becoming, you know, iconic as a, as a movie, you know, movie right. star and making a lot of movies and made some really good money, becoming one of the biggest stars on the Universal lot at that time. So at that time, he had a sad story though. That's he story did towards the end. It it did kind of it did kind of go bad for him, but. Uh, well, uh, we'll we'll talk about the good the good times. This is one of the this is one of the last good Abbott and Costello movies. Yeah, you're right. Is, You'll be 100. percent They're kind right of on their last legs, and some of the stuff in this movie, like last year, I went through and watched like all but one Abbott and Costello movie you last year. Talking about that, yeah. And they kind of start to get very much the same towards the end, like recycling bits. And this one does that a little bit too. Um, yeah, there's but a lot. Not, there's some recycling going on here. Yeah, so. I mean, it's not as like the Abbott and Costello meet the Mummy was just like, holy shit, they're out of steam. Yeah. But uh, with this one, this this they still they, you know they still had a few bullets what in the chamber. They're still like, this was fifty one, I think. Say so, yeah, because 52, 53, that they were running out of steam. I think they were. This was their last. You're right. This was one of their last good ones. They well, I, I liked. Um, uh, I like the Abbott and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but I think that well, might be more yeah. because of Boris Karloff. And I like Abbott and Costello meet the Keystone Cops. 
that I one's like, funny. I, I do like that one too. I I I, I mean <sighs> I didn't hate Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. It's just by this point, this it wasn't like, my favorite this, monster one. Though. Like I think this one, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein was the first you know monster one, although they did hold that I love and, the Frankenstein Dracula one. I do. That's one of my favorites. I don't care anybody. I mean it's probably the best one of the of the monster ones. I think this was the second one. But yeah, by the end, it's like, okay, you're doing the same monster bits. Oh, I'm going to tell me the killer Boris Karloff was the second one. That one's fantastic. I love that one. Uh, he's the uh, uh, Abbott and Costello is uh, the Swami uh, in that one, and he's yeah. fantastic. That, yeah, that one's spherical, yeah. That one's that one's funny too, but it just it was it was this was the the last one that I think was like really really good. The rest of them were kind of okay, and then towards the end, I haven't seen the final one they did with MGM yet. That one I I feel like I just kind of want to hold it. I have the DVD, and I just kind of want to like hold it there because once I see it, there's no turning back, and I've seen all of them. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm ready to be like, okay, there's no more Abbott and Costello in my life ever. Um, but I mean, is... they had a they had a formula and they stuck to it. I oh, think that's definitely. probably right. And and uh, and the thing is, is I had the box set. You know, it's like a whole box, and nope, Abbott and Costello has got all the movies in it. And you know, I did what you did once, and I started going from the beginning and working my way through. And at some point you kind of need like a year to two years between each, like every three movies, you know, a year or two, three, two, three years between them because they do get very samey. The jokes get samey, the same kind of last same there's the same kind of sequences going on and so forth and so far. They were, I think this, this film has a lot of decent supporting characters in it. I mean, you got William Demarest from my three sons, I guess is what we know him from his uncle bud. Yeah. Fred you know, Burks. He's, yeah. yeah, Fred Mertz. Officer Fred Mertz. And Cindy Leonard as well. He's fantastic in it as well. So, I mean, I, that keeps it going. I, uh, I, you know, he's the, um, uh, who they wanted, who uh, the character of Fat Tony on The Simpsons is based on. Yeah. Uh, when, when Joe Montana, when they brought in Joe Montana, they had originally had asked Sheldon Leonard to be the voice of Fat Tony. He was, I, I think he was too sick to do it. It was the late 80s. He was like way too sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they brought it, oh, they brought in Joe Montana. Joe, they asked Joe Montana if he could do a Sheldon Leonard uh, impression, and that became Fat Tony. They said several shots of this were from The Invisible Man Returns from 1940. Was what, what was that? Several shots are from Universal's The Invisible Man Returns 1940. The scenes where the guinea pig turns invisible, reverse footage, the harness yeah. of the invisible guinea pig moving around in that cage. Yeah, they did that all in the Vincent Price one. Yeah, they did yeah, that. Yeah, and they said all the scene where the invisible man is unpacking a suitcase of clothes left outside in the wood said even the plots of two films are similar. A man wrongly convicted of murder becomes invisible to evade the police and catch the real killer. I guess what they're trying to show is the whatever the. I also just realized as we're talking about this that between the two movies we're covering this week, we have two supporting uh, actors from It's a Wonderful Life because we have. Uh, Henry Travers in the original Invisible Man. We have Sheldon Leonard, who is Nick the mm-hmm. bartender, in the uh, in um, mm-hmm. in It's a Wonderful Life as uh, the gangster here. The only thing I think there was a bit, I think they the female lead wasn't very good in this. I don't think. Well, they but they they picked up what was her name? Adelie, 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 Adelie. What's her name? Adelie I, Jurgens. Because they wanted remember. Virginia Mayo, but she wouldn't work for cheap, so they got her because she looked almost like her. 
I could definitely see that. Although I think Virginia Mayo might have been under contract at Universal at that point. Was she? Um, I think she, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking right now. I, for some reason, I'm misspelling invisible. Um, I was having problems with that earlier. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, normally you get like a, a, de- a like a stronger female character, but I mean, she's okay. She's kind of like just there. But I mean, I what think. were they going to, they would have wasted Virginia Mayo's time. They would have wasted the money that they spent on her because they didn't really give this woman that much to do in this one. She was kind of just there. Yeah. You know, it's, she didn't really have a whole lot going on, did she? No. I mean, it kind of falls into the formula of the Invisible Man movies because you have the Invisible Man and then you have the woman he loves. And they kind of go through the same thing in every in every movie as they watch the man they love fall into insanity and all this stuff. Um, the only one that really stood out was Alona Massey and... Um, uh, and the invisible agent, because she she had that whole is she a double agent thing going. Uh, but besides that, they were all the same. They were, you know, the, it was just that's the woman he loves. That's the woman who loves him. She's worried that he's going to die or be killed by the police or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be honest, she didn't have a stunning career anyway. I mean, she went on to do France. Oh, well, France is talking mule film after this, so. The other one, not, not Adele Jurgens. Adele Jurgens had a lustful career. I mean, she had a huge career. She did Showboat and all these other films right. and stuff like that. But the, the, the love interest sort of thing. Adele Jurgens, this was like, I think she died like five or six years after this movie anyway. So, gosh, that's yeah. sad. Well, she was old and young been like in the beginning of hollywood sort of thing so yeah and these are what 1950s aren't they the Abba costello yeah this this was i mean the, the interesting thing i think once their movie career was ending their tv career started so they had a tv career for a little while didn't they they had yeah, their own show true. for a while Abba costello, Abba costello had their tv show then they had a falling out like most comedy duels do so yeah well, except the three stooges they they they, they never had a falling out but it, that's probably probably because most of them were brothers and then childhood friends yeah, yeah. so that would make a difference possibly <laughs> well the three, well, the think... three stooges problem was they all died <laughs> that was you know curly dies shep yeah. dies mm. you know that's you you can't hate somebody if they drop dead no yeah <laughs> well i mean i think with Abin costello also is that Luke Costello gets all the applause and all the funny and all the funniness. But the thing is, you, in order for him to be funny, you need the straight guy. And that's exactly. the problem. And people, you know, same thing. I think that's happened with Jerry Lewis and Martin. And, well, um, I mean, he was an asshole. That was his comedic take. He was an asshole. Who was the poor, dumb, simple minded, yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, the asshole has to be the asshole in order for. Right. The, but he said, I mean, he even got it with, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, who's who's that Italian singer? Dean Martin, Dean Martin, and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. You had the same problem with them. Jerry Lewis is getting all the laughs, but you needed Dean right. Martin as a straight person. And of course, that's what broke them apart because it's like, you know, Jerry Lewis is getting all the applause and all the action. Meanwhile, Dean Martin is kind of being left to the side. But you can't have one without the other, and that's yeah. I think that's what you get with comedy duels. You know, I th- I think in that case it worked out. Dean Martin wasn't exactly fucking starving. <laughs> 
no he wasn't but but it did I, no, but, I, it did, I, I understand. but it but it, it did um corrupt i mean unfortunately it did corrupt his movie career i mean he, he's sing he's still singing and doing his live show live shows and stuff like that so it didn't affect that but it did affect his movie career because if you remember jerry lewis and um dean martin at the time were the biggest box office draws for three years yeah like every single thing they did uh, kind of like abbott and costello were a couple of years yeah. prior to this, they were the biggest box office stars at Universal. Well, back then, though, too, yeah. there was we had World War Two, and they were very patriotic in Hollywood back in the day. That was a lot of the, that was a lot of their Buck Privates movies and all that stuff. I mean, that that's what yeah. that's what their their heyday hit. Well, yeah, their heyday their heyday was the yeah it was definitely the you know the early to mid forties because uh, I think the reason they started doing the monster parodies is because they started running out of steam again. Right, or, or the first, or the and then the, you know these started running out of steam. Uh, running but out I mean, steam. but if you look at their career, I mean it. I mean, for a duel, they ran for a decade, more than that, almost more two. than a decade, two almost two decades. Yeah, which so is they, something in its which is something in its own right is quite a marvel, actually. Something like forty because, movies together, 40, 41 movies together. So uh -huh. that's that's insane. Uh -huh. That's a hell of a run. And, that's a lot. And if, you, if and if you look at stuff like you know, if then if you take people who are basically single comedians who do movies, you know, Eddie Murphy or something, they haven't lasted that long. You know, not with that. A lot of them seem to get that bug that I want to do dramatic stuff. And that's kind of what hurts them a little bit. The only one that it really yeah. kind of, I guess, maybe worked out for was maybe Jim Carrey. He's the only one that, off the top of my head, it kind of worked out for, like well, a comedy yes. star that. Did they ever make up? Did they ever make up? Did they ever make up oh, after? Pat Oswalt, yeah. <laughs> What's up? I was wondering if Bud Abbott and Lucas Stello ever made up when they they got to their, you know. I don't know because I think Bud Abbott died. Wait, who oh, they remained first? friends after they parted company in 1957. He sued Costello for an accounting of the profits of the year before. I think that's what happened. Yep, okay. that's what happened. Mm. Always I mean, funny. Um, but I, I mean, Bud. I mean, Bud went on to do a couple movies without Lou, anyway. So, no, I mean, Lou went on to Lou, do a couple yeah, movies without Bud. Say Lou so. went on, yeah. Yeah. So, but um, you know, I think he did that. Exactly. I mean, from what I no, well, the, the one the tall, both in uh, the, yeah, the, the, the sixty foot bride one. of Candy Rock or something like that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I, um, I like that film actually. I haven't seen that film. I used to love that kid, film when I was a kid. Did you guys ever watch Lost in Harlem? It sounds familiar. I don't know it. Well, it's an Abbott and Costello. Oh, Lost in a Harem. Harem Harlem. Lost in a harem. Yeah, I did. Lost see in it. Harlem. Oh my God, I cannot deal. With yeah, that. when I was when I was going through, I have to sleep today. When I was going through the Abbott and Costello movies, I didn't just do the Universals. I did the MGMs. You did all of them. I, I did they, the uh, the United Artists movies. I did all of them. Here come the Coeds. The naughty nineties is one of my here favorites. Here come the Coeds. I, I actually liked a lot too. You, Time of their month, lives, my absolute favorite when they're the ghosts. Here, here come here come the Coeds. You kind of have the same setup here where you have Lon Chaney Jr. You have Lon Chaney Jr. as like this. Um, uh, this big bulky guy that's like the villain's like henchman, and at one point uh, they bring in a little uh, little professional wrestling uh, storyline in there, where and it's basically the same thing here. 
Lou ends up in the ring with Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. And he's chasing him around the ring and all this stuff. So even that bit, the best, probably the best bit in this movie was recycled from a movie they made, you know, six, seven years prior. Did they yeah. recycle some of it? All, most of, of it. it. Most, oh, most of the movies it. recycled. Uh, I didn't hypnotist. notice. I just don't think of those things. Well, I, I, think, I, think, I think if you watched, I mean, I, I mean, I, I get, I mean, this is the problem with, I guess, today anyway, sort of thing, because I imagine when these movies are coming out, you probably didn't go out and see every single Abbott and Costello exactly. movie that's coming out. But also, now with DVDs and everything like this, it's like, you know, it's probably a bit more. They, yeah, they, they weren't they weren't expecting two fil- uh, film nerds like us to be sitting here watching them back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, back, back. <laughs> back to back. Because <laughs> so. back then, the other thing is there was no home media to speak of either. Mm-hmm. So they used you to have them on every weekend. Abbott Costello was on every. But weekend. not when these movies were coming out. When these movies were coming out, there was no TV. Oh, there was no that, VHS. Yeah. There was nothing. So yeah. if, even if you did go see every single Abbott and Costello movie, you're right. I know you're seeing them over the. If you saw them all in theaters in their original run, you're seeing them over a span of like 16, 17 years. So you would you, remember or notice. You would, yeah. You wouldn't, you'd vaguely remember, oh, they did a little hypnotism bit in this movie six years ago. You wouldn't right. remember it now. You wouldn't remember yeah. the wrestling bit. With, but did that mean, re- refresh my memory, did they take the actual footage is what they did? No, they no, 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 no. They no, just, the they, Three they, Stooges they, did that. Okay, yeah. okay. No, they, I mean, they just basically replayed stuff. You know, the thing is like, you know, the beginning when, I mean, like the beginning when he's coming to graduating from, you know, um, private detective school that whole slop where he sits down in the chair falls down in the chair has the hat change right. the hat over the cap that was done in a, a same same kind of skip but done slightly different but the same thing sort of gotcha. thing then being private detectives happened before you know that, yeah um, the thing with the money where he's putting the money in uh, bud abbott's hand but then closing his hand and taking the money away while abbott's putting the, the money in his pocket they've done that a million times at this yeah point. they did yeah. that in almost every movie uh the hypnotism bit they did with boris karloff the boxing yeah. bit is just a retread of the the wrestling <laughs> bit with lon cheney so there's always like a slight yeah. tweak but yeah. they were very much the same movies over and over which is, and even the one even the one where they're on the tropical island sort of thing some of that was replayed as well but yeah they're on the, tro- night in the one yeah. night in the tropics i could think that yeah was. yeah <laughs> yeah we're you know we're doing the, the, that like the getaway sort of thing and but the times where they strayed from the formula, I actually like those a lot too. Like I really like Little mm. Giant. Vicky, I know, loves um, Time of Their uh, Lives. The Time of Their Lives. Uh, I love Time of Their Lives. I mean, I so like do Jack I. The, I like their version of Jack and the Beanstalk as well. I love I Jack, love and, Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> and then, I, just, uh, I think Joe's right though. They did run out of steam a little bit in the fifties. I mean, of course. I mean, yeah. When you're when you're doing the same movie over and over again, I, even mm. you know, we talk about the Universal monsters. Uh, if you go back and you watch like all the films in the Frankenstein series back to back to back, you'll be like, okay, there's Lionel Atwill as the police officer who's missing his yeah. arm and son of Frankenstein. But then in ghost of Frankenstein, which is the next one in the series, he is Dr. Frankenstein's assistant. Uh, then in the next one, he's a police officer in another town. And then in the next one, he's this, and it's just, or, you know, he's the burgomaster in this one. They never intended for us to be watching them all back to back like this. I never really think of those things. And I have to remember that because it's right. They didn't have 
blockbuster back in nineteen forty. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have TV. So, they didn't have any of that stuff. Wi-Fi. So makes sense. I never they, really they, put Google, Wikipedia, <laughs> all the other stuff that goes along with it. So uh, monster magazines weren't even a thing then either. I mean, they came out in the fifties. There so wasn't any it, monster magazines at all in the fifties. No, no, really. no, no, in the fifties there were, but in the fifties and sixties there were. Forrest but, J. I mean, but, Ackerman but, was the one who kind of invented those. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, but in the you know the thirties and forties when these things are coming out, you know about the monster movies and what actors are doing what. It's only when the monster magazine started coming out that there was someone actually putting all the pieces together. So that way, it's like, oh, you know, let's interview such and such, and then you find out all this other stuff later on, and you know, and then became you know because in a way it became its own marketing tool anyway i remember buying scarlet street magazine which i loved you know until the guy died who did them and come out every two months i would buy it and read it i mean it's probably the only magazine i actually read from cover to cover and it would mention joan bennett and scarlet street and um film noir and old horror films and gloria stewart interviews now and reminiscing about her career in Fay ray interviews and so on and so forth and they were brilliant but, yeah, and, and then yeah, the other end of those is like the famous monsters of Filmland, which is like the more you know the more fun thing, where it's like hey, you know posting little pictures of, mm-hmm. of the movies. But then you had the you know Castle of Frankenstein, which was more serious, and you're interviewing people. Uh, mm-hmm. Film Facts was another one that I really really loved, um, mm-hmm. and that kind of you know then that that it's now like Rue Morgue and stuff like that, and uh, the Dark Side is is mm-hmm. kind of like those now. But I yeah, those really. I thought my favorite part of this movie though is when they're in the ring and he's going left jab, right jab. That's great. I love, I <laughs> love jab, that. Left jab, left jab. He's bare, and then he's just standing there, and you just hear the smack, and he's still just standing there like <laughs> He's so <laughs> quick, we didn't even see him. <laughs> he's so fast, we couldn't even see him punch him. <laughs> I love the bit with the uh, with the punching bag. Yeah. I know that was some funny shit. It really was a good movie, though, when you think about it. I mean, it does make you smile. It might be recycled for us because I don't notice these things. I would have never put two and two together like that every time I talk to you guys. I'm sure, I'm sure had Sean been in the been in the room every time that I watched one of these Abbott and Costello movies, he probably would have been like, Oh, that's the bit from this one, too. That's the but bit. when you, if you're watching them isolated, they're fine. Because yeah. you're not growing tired of their bit, you know. But may, may I say something specifically about this? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, no, sorry. Um, so specifically for the repetition, like in the modern times when we have obviously DVDs and um, streaming medias and whatever, so you see the stuff repeat and you're like, oh, it's always the same, it's boring. If you go back, obviously, we, as we discussed, that they didn't have, I don't know, s- stuff to repeat things, etc. I can imagine that this is like a very... Um, like a technique to captivate audience. I, I mean, this is just my theory, obviously. Like now, a technique to captivating audiences. Like, do you know, like when they do, like read a fairy tale, and then you have these repetitions, or like when back in the days there were storytellers repeating the stories over and yeah. over and over until it gets mm. stuck into your head. So maybe there was a technique back in the days to say, like, okay, so we found something funny. We'll repeat it every movie. You'll be like, oh, I like that, and then you go and watch it over and over again. So I. Gonna be honest, I'm not a massive fan of comedies. It just doesn't generally resonate with me. There are good things that I find funny, etc. But I've never ever watched in my life Abbott and Costello, except there was a, a Abbott and Costello 
a cartoon back when I was in Italy. I might have watched a couple of episodes. Yeah, like, there was eh. actually. That's right. Uh, there was and one, and yeah. I watched a few of those because they were making making them on TV in, in Italy. Um, but for some reason, this uh, it kind of reminds me a bit of um, the sort of cutie fun that they used to do with the very old TV show called Lauren Hardy because my grandfather used to watch it. I love Lauren yeah. Hardy. Lauren Hardy. I love Laura uh, Hardy too. Well, you know, the, even uh, in those ones, the, the stuff will repeat it, and then I wouldn't watch it because we didn't have DVDs or whatever back in the days. But then when they would appear on TV, the jokes and the silly things were always the same, and I always would find them funny. And my grandfather would laugh, and I would laugh, you know. So those, maybe that's what they were doing. I don't know. But well, the, but those were also films. Those also weren't. That was that became a TV show later on because they had all these short films, and it was a way to package them all together. So even so back then, one, yeah. Those, you know, you weren't expected to see every one of them. Because but Evan Costello were never very physical comedy anyway. They became physical comedy, but they didn't start off as physical comedy. Oh, I don't know. Costello was pretty physical. He was always no, no, around. no. What I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is they didn't start out that way. They started out with who's on first, right? Who's yeah. on first? No, what's what's on? You know, not was that. their show first or did the movies come second? Yeah. Movies, the, the movies, movies, first. movies first. The movies skits first. Were, the skits were after the fact, right? They were they were vaudeville, right? They okay. played burlesque houses. That's where they got. Okay. Their I was start. just trying to wonder if the skits preceded the movies or no, no the movies were first because TV wasn't around when. No, yeah, what TV you never say vaudeville though. Were those skits around? No, they, they no they no they started off on stage and then they went from stage to movies, from movies to television. But they weren't, they weren't, they didn't start off with physical comedy. They weren't about hitting each other or anything like that. That wasn't right. their stick. Their stick was like, oh, you know, oh, here's five pounds. Okay, give me five pounds. So you give me five pounds. I'll give you, uh, give you um, four quarters and six, six dimes. And they're like, okay, oh no, that's five. No, no, that's three pounds. Oh no, oh, sorry, let me be back to five. And it's like that, all that thing about changing money or whatever. And it's like, you know, say, saying one thing and then turning the audience around to another. So the person's really confused. That right. was their stick. I mean, yeah. if you if if you look at the earlier movies, the earlier movies aren't so slapsticky. But as they went on, of course, you know, all the material that they had, which is considered extremely rich comedic material, even to this day. If you listen to, you know, go on YouTube and listen to Who's on First, or listen to the you know the Money Change or any of their their comedy skits, you'd realize is like, I mean. You see how genius they are, but of course, you know, since they wrote their own material, they, you know, they had their gems and, and they had fantastic gems, but they probably couldn't write fantastic gems for all these movies. So then they, then they got, so then it became more physical because movie is a different kind of form anyway. So they became more, a bit more slapsticky, a bit more um, film, filmic as far as like Pratt Falls and all the other stuff. But they didn't do. That's not how they started out. They weren't Pratt Falls. They weren't. They weren't Laurel and Hardy. They weren't the Marx Brothers, and they were not um, the Three Stooges. You know, they, the Three Stooges. Yeah. It wasn't about that. They became. They turned into that as the movies went forward. But if you look at like Buck Privates in their first movies, their movies are have basically the stick, the stick sort of thing. And then Lou would find you know find himself in a precarious situation and situation but it's more about the wordplay between the I mean, two of them even laurel and hardy and the marx brothers i don't think were as much like them hitting each other like you had harpo marx doing a lot of the the physical doing yeah. a lot of the physical comedy a lot of it was was uh 
Chico being confused and Groucho being the one who's trying to scam everybody. And then with yeah. and Hardy, I don't remember them really hitting each other. I mean, it would be like situational, like that trying to get Curly trying to get the and... piano up, the, you know, trying to get the piano yeah. up the stairs. Oh, or when they had uh, oh, the, the, the violent ones. <laughs> the Stooges were the violent ones. Yeah, the Stooges were the violent ones. <laughs> It's yeah, amazing. It's eyes. amazing how many people get shot in three stooges shorts where nothing <laughs> yeah. happens from them I just know. getting shot in the ass and they're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, Moral and Hardy yeah. with, yeah. with uh, uh, Charlie Hall, I think was his name, like the tit for tat. Uh, where, uh, he opened the store next to them, and they, you know, that that was more like that. Like I don't remember them ever being overtly violent towards each other. Though. Um. No, I mean it's more like the situation. I guess Buster Keaton the same way. It's the situation they would find yeah. themselves in. And Chaplin, yeah, Chaplin, all those that guys. sort of stuff. And Harold and Harold Lloyd and all that kind of. Yeah. Where, but I think, and I think what made Laurel and Hardy, I mean, Laurel, I mean, Abbott Costello, a bit more interesting, along with the Marx Brothers, that they were vocal, very wordplay, vocal yeah, and sound. Where Laura oh, yeah, Hardy, he was making some sounds, yeah. Yeah, well, Laura Hardy, I mean, and Buster Keaton and all that, when sound came through, it kind of threatened their career a little bit because they were so used to silent things. I mean, they did they did transfer over, but... It yeah. had to be hard for them, though, to, to try to be relevant. In a Laurel and Hardy had a... Silent. Laurel and Hardy had a good run, though. Yeah, they Laurel did. Laurel and Hardy had a good run during the talkie phrase. Uh, but Buster Keaton, Charlie Chase didn't... Um, Chaplin ended up ended up doing really well too, but yeah, for the most part, a lot yeah, a lot of those silent era comedians like they became background. Like Emil Sitka became background in Three Stooges, and so did Heine Conklin, and all those guys. They all ended up being like background. Well, the problem with um, Buster Keaton is that he was fine when he had his own studio. Yeah, but then when the thing with Fats Arbuckle came across, and then um, you know, and then he you know he helped bail out. Um, fatty arbuckle and then it's like oh maybe i should join i think it was mgm or i think it was mgm he joined mgm and then they didn't know what to do with them yeah. so that kind of um, sunk his career yeah they were, they were doing the stuff with uh with vitaphone studios uh because that's how shemp howard got his start too was mm-hmm. shemp was doing a lot of stuff with fatty arbuckle marjorie main was part of that crew um they that was like the early 30s like pre three stooges because uh I think Shemp was the one who didn't want to go to Hollywood with uh, with his brothers, so he stayed mm-hmm. behind. And they were doing all that stuff in New York, and then eventually, uh, eventually he he uh, he ended up going out to Hollywood. But by then, the Three Stooges were established, so he ends up at Universal. He ends up doing stuff with like Lon Chaney and uh, uh, Billy Gilbert and those people. But um, but yeah, they they were. Fatty Arbuckle did have a, like they did make a little attempt at resurging him like in the 30s, but it, yeah, it didn't work. I remember mm. like the scandal just like rocked him like that bad that like when when they did try it, it nothing happened with it. And I also think that well, the other thing is I think uh, with Abbott and Costello anyway, I think they had more control. If you look at their earlier early movies when they started making them, I think they had a bit more control about themselves. Production. But I think I think they must have signed a contract that kind of took some of their control away. So as the movies go forward, you can see that basically it's almost like they have no control of what's going on. They're they're showing up to do their job. 
I don't they think towards out. the end, I don't think they were even doing any of the writing. I think it was just somebody was writing, yeah, I'm going to take this Abbott and Costello bit and shove it in here because it's, yeah. it's just studio writers at that point. Yeah. It, I mean, I think what kind of killed the comedy team in movies was kind of the advent of television because, it, you know, it kind of became sitcoms, you know? Sitcoms yeah. are kind of what the old comedy team and you had George Burns and Gracie Allen and all the other stuff going on at the same time. And, you know, I married yeah, Joan. There was a lot of greats that in the 40s and 50s that were coming around. There was so much competition. The Honeymooners as well. Honeymooners yeah. probably killed it a little bit as well. I mean, so. Groucho Marx ended up on TV doing uh, uh, You Bet yeah. Your Life. Yeah. You know, Abbott and Costello transitioned to TV. Um mm. When did everybody? When did the TV boom really happen? When did everybody like really mid-50s? have the TV? Mid fifties. I think. Yeah, I, I think it's when I Love Lucy became a huge hit. Yeah. Talk and about domination. And then they realized that. Well, Desi Lou. I mean, you know, Desi Lou Productions. Productions did a hell of a good business at that time. But um, Route sixty six and the Untouchables and so on and so forth. But. Um, but when my love lucy became like a huge hit and that's something that america was staying in for that's when i think that's when everyone started moving over to television though once you moved into television you chances are you'll never make a film again so there was that going on at the same time so it's almost like a death now it oh, was back no, then i'm gonna be on tv oh no it it's was back then. Opera. It's like you got you got relegated to television, whereas now everybody just kind of crosses over and it doesn't even matter. What is it like Christina Crawford? You know, she she goes and gets on a show, and what's her mother do when she's sick? Joan Crawford comes and takes over her part while she's in the hospital. So you knew yeah. the Pickens was slim. That was the sixties, though. But I mean, the Pickens well, I mean, was still slim. But to be honest, the whole the whole film, the television scenario didn't really change until like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's when you started getting like these really great Dreaming. HBO series, like um, like The Wire, The Sopranos, all that yeah. stuff. That Empire, kind of the, Empire Boardwalk. Yeah, everything. that's when you started getting like that prestige television, and that's when, like, yeah. it started when did streaming. Technically, was Netflix first, or was it Netflix HBO was first. technically, or no Netflix? But, was but Netflix is the one that invented really like streaming television, right? Netflix like, is streaming, yeah. And, and but HBO did prestige television. They right. started, well, HBO and Showtime, they started prestige television. Right. So you can get these big actors who can come in and do their 10 episodes a season, but still have their film career. But up until that yeah. time, if you were, if you're a television star and you went into, you know, you'd be, you'd be lucky if you broke away from that. If you were, and God forbid, if you were a film star went into television, you'll never go into films again. And, you know, and, and nowhere would you sit there and appear in a film, a television station, if you're a film star, because it would kill your career. When and, did movies start coming out on TV? 60s, maybe? 50s uh, and 60s. Shock, yeah, shock theater, the shock theater package and stuff like that. Yeah. That's when Hollywood realized they could re, re, repackage their movies and make more money off them from, yeah. from, well, from just, sitting in a storage. Yeah, I'm going to sell ABC my movies because what are they doing? They're just sitting in a vault right now. And what they did, and what they also do is, um, let's sit there and say you have a television station. So basically, they'll go, okay, well, we're going to give you, we'll give you Titanic, and, and we're going to give you, uh, you know, um, Men in Black film and all this other stuff. But then with this package, you're going to get all these 30s and 40s films as well. <laughs> so it's like here you go. 
So, you know, it's like, because you're buying the big, big dollar product, we're going to give you these extras to take along with you. And of course, you know, and, we're, and you got three years to show these. So yeah, that's and you pretty just end up with all got. this late night filler. Yeah, that's what ended up happening with all those movies. Yeah. That's why like 2 a.m. you'll see like a, a creaky old Bella Lugosi movie that you never heard of. Yeah. You know, or the, the first time I saw the Marx Brothers was like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I was waiting up to watch mm-hmm. a Bella Lugosi movie on like channel channel twenty one in New York, and the March Brothers came on and, I, and it was uh, and I was like oh shit this is kind of cool mm-hmm. and now from there and now what you get well if they're not showing advertisement after two o'clock um, and if they are still showing movies now what now what they're seeing what they're also repackaging old TV movies as well from the sixties and seventies and eighties so you're starting to see like Satan's School for Girls. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that, those they those they already own outright anyway. So they're like, you know, yeah. what, what am I going to do? I you forgot know? about those. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we we have a we have twenty four hours to fill every single day, so yeah. there's only so much first run programming. Yeah, let, there's yeah, no that, seedy shit out there. I mean, that's that's how I found Kolchak the Night Stalker. I you know, that's how that. I found I a lot of that, that stuff. Was just I discovered yeah. Kolchak when I was sixteen, babysitting for somebody because she worked at and she was a nurse, and I used to have to stay at her house. What else is there to do in nineteen eighty two except put on television? You know, I mean, something else I, to do when you're babysitting. I I was you know I was watching the Sci Fi Channel late at night, and there was there were two movies that each were two episodes of the Night Stalker kind of crunched together. And I watched those. And I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." And then I said, "Oh, there's a TV series." I watched the TV series. Wait, there were there were two movies before there was a TV series. And it kind of grew from there. Um, mm. That's why I feel like the discovery aspect is kind of gone now. Like I feel like yeah. everybody... there's stuff out there we haven't seen. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not talking about there, there not being stuff we haven't seen. I mean, everything now is directly marketed to everything that you already right. like. So yeah. unless you're, you think so, that that's good or bad? Is that I think it's terrible. Right? I think it's terrible because you're not going to say stuff. it's kind of depressing, actually. Well, another thing is no one watches TV the same way. I mean, who yeah. watches TV? Well, we watch everything through streaming. Yeah, and I, if you I don't flip channels anymore. So the same thing. Like God same still thing has like, cable. I'm trying to wean him. We still got cable. Yeah, but the question is, are, is he watching the cable or is he watching it? It's already he's watching the, it. It's already, is, is he watching it like like I have? I have Sky, but I never watch anything live on it. You know, like The Last of Us, The Last of Us appears, so I watch it when it's streaming. But it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on TV at like nine o'clock on a Monday. But I don't Last watch it at nine o'clock on a Monday. Yeah, on regular cable. Yeah, here, there. It's How come it's, it's not on, a regular cable here? You have to have streaming to watch it here. No, you well, don't. It's, on, it's, it's on Sky. Well, no, HBO. Is it HBO? Yeah, you, you could watch it live. You could have watched it live on HBO. Live on HBO, air. or you can watch it on HBO. Um, Max. App. I got an HBO so, Max. So, the thing is, like you like were saying, nobody really watches. Like the fact that you don't even know, like nobody watches. I, well, I only. Well, I, I really, honestly, with smart TV, I realized I don't need cable TV. I honestly mm-hmm. don't hardly watch it. There's nothing on there I want to see anymore. It's just. I mean, it's just all news and sports and bullshit that makes me depressed. Well, I, don't I watch. watch all, it. I, but I watch all my through all my stuff through apps now, so I don't actually watch television live. I don't see live. Okay, television I see what nobody really does okay, anymore. Nobody really does you know, anymore. You know, I'll you know, it's like The Apprentice was on last night. We watched The Apprentice. You know, and it comes on off. Um, it comes on a Thursday at nine o'clock on BBC, and I do watch it, 
but I don't watch it nine o'clock at BBC. I wait, I watch it about nine thirty, and it's already started. So I sit there and just turn on the app, and it I go. You know, I can watch it from beginning to end. But at the time, I watch TV when it suits me. I, TV's not on. I have to sort. So I have to start my calendar out to watch TV. TV now is sorted to my taste. But it's a bit like music, going to music stores and buying CDs and listening to music and stuff like this because everything's streaming now. Spotify, you have to. Amazon Music now, yeah. But you have to know what you're looking for. Exactly, and it's and that's, really that's hard. Part to, of the it's really hard. To, it's hard to fall fall on something. So, you know, so, I mean, that's the reason why, you know, we, we, you know, part of the reason why we do this show is because, you know, we're bringing up stuff that you might not have seen, but you can still rediscover it because you can find it. I mean, everything that we discussed here is on Amazon Prime. You have to pay like two or three quid for it if you want to rent it or whatever like that. But it's still, it's all available out there. But unless you're looking for it, you're not going to find it. And that I think is part of the problem because like if I was, you know, 19 20 25 years old now i probably wouldn't see a lot of the stuff that i'd seen because like there's no way for me to know what's even out there mm. yeah it's a bit like when um david was here over christmas and i showed him the plan he never seen the planet of the apes films yeah you know and i showed it to him he's like you know because of, you know you hear about things but it doesn't necessarily mean that you actually watch them or you know, and I'm, the thing is, to be honest, all the Planet of the Eight films are on Disney Plus. I'm They're amazed. On my box. I'm amazed at how many people that I work with who are younger. Like, I'll mention like Mel Gibson. They'll be like, "Who's that?" Like, seriously, you never heard of Mel Gibson? Well, probably uh, not. Uh, I mean, oh, and it no, makes my sense. daughter's 29. She knows. Well, then again, I brought her up because I'm a movie person, and she's. <laughs> but I mean, if you don't have somebody specifically telling you, Mel Gibson hasn't exactly been in the zeitgeist for the last like 20 years, you know? No, I think uh, he popped up in the news yesterday. I don't know what he made or what he's doing. He's doing. Something. Yeah, but it probably wasn't in like a pot. I mean, it, it, the thing, another thing is, but even if they pop up the news, the only news I get is the news that I'm interested in. That's the stuff I get that's, the, my phone. that's another issue because when I when I look at YouTube, I'll see like, okay, there's this story from this network, this story from this network. I don't have to watch all the news. I could skip the news I don't want to watch. Right. Which yeah. is another, which is a different problem altogether. Um, because if, if we get to pick and choose what information we take in instead of taking in information that we should be taking in, that create that's an entirely different problem that we don't even want to fucking tackle on this podcast and but but e but even our news is tailored to us as well because if you exactly. sit and look at news from a, like a bias side or whatever well, all news is biased and they all have agendas no no but no that's but, not no true. that's not that's not that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is if you have a they all want to sell ratings no but what i'm saying if you look at news from a certain point of view and i'm not saying the, the point of view that you have is wrong issues. or right i'm not saying it's wrong or right but let's sit there and say that, you know, that let's say it's pro something. Right. All the news that you're going to get through on your phones and on your YouTube is going to be how all this news is pro for this one thing that you may believe in. If you're against that, then all the news you're getting through on your phone and everything is how you're against that to support that you're against it. And that's what you get nowadays. And uh, I mean, I mean, get it for, I mean, the even, algorithm I mean AI, Alexa, yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a conversation with Ferris last night. We had a conversation about skydiving this morning. I woke up and we were, we're just talking on Snapchat. Like we it normally comes up do on your feed comes up on my feed about um, <laughs> courses and skydiving. So 
What the there fuck, was, man? There was uh, there was one weekend Shanta was over here and she mentioned that her her old her son Atticus, who was you know five years old at the time, uh, saw an Elvira toy and thought, oh, that's mommy. So because we talked about Elvira briefly for the next like three weeks, all I got were. So Elvira are we picking things. up this shit on our wiretaps that we have in the house? Yeah. Alexa? Every, yeah. every time you, every time you Google, every time you use Wikipedia, every time, everything you're logged in everywhere. There's right. no time. There's no place that you're not logged in. So the FBI haven't shown up at my door then. Well, Sean, I mean, uh, Sean, Sean bought the new WWE game. To. Sean bought the new WWE game. It's got all these classic wrestlers from when I was watching. So I'm talking to him. You know, I'm talking to him about Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart. And all of a sudden now when I open up my phone, I'm starting to get, oh, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart and this and that. And I'm like, OK, that's that's what it, that's what all these things do. They try to tailor everything to you to get, you know, to get you to spend money on these products because then they can turn to wwe and be like oh we got this guy here buying your product now because he was talking you know he was talking about rick flair and we sent him a bunch of rick flair rick stuff flair. And, it, and, and it's like that like well i, mean, I won't I, buy I'm nothing screaming. that shows up on facebook because though. sean and i live together and we and between mm -hmm. the two of us we have all these different interests going we, on, yeah. they're constantly conflicting to where sean will tell me about something that I'm not really particularly interested in or the other way around. Mm, yeah. And suddenly like he'll turn on his YouTube and he'll see like a Boris Karloff a movie for, a trailer for Boris Karloff movie. I'll turn on my YouTube and, you know, see something related to, you know, something he was talking to me about. And it, I never it, had that on YouTube. It just seems like Facebook and Instagram is where they hit me. Facebook and Instagram both do too. Yeah. No, YouTube, YouTube does as well, because for instance, um, I watched, I used to watch sister wise when it was on. So I'm watching it, all the news coming through my phone, everything that's coming through my YouTube was all about sister wives and about the scandals that's and the never divorces. Happened and YouTube. Never. I so, think YouTube there, absolutely though. YouTube absolutely has an algorithm. If you start I know watching, they do, but I've yeah. never had them do that to me yet. If you're watching only horror they're movies not, on they're YouTube, not, they're gonna be sending yeah. you more and more horror movie things. Yeah, if they're not. They're not uh, YouTube's not selling you anything. Their their ads are not what's selling you. But you'll find other. No, but it's your programming. And so if you're watching something on TV, let's sit there and say that you like Westworld or something, then what you'll get is you'll get like you know the Kill Count for Westworld or West um new movie nerds discuss Watchworld or watching Westworld for the first time and my boyfriend, you know, and that's yeah. what you start getting through on your YouTube channels. These are like what they're suggesting. Or if you like a certain kind of song and you like you watch the video, next thing you know is that artist's songs will start coming through, or songs written by the person who wrote that song are coming through. You know, if you go through your um, feed, I mean, and you gotta remember YouTube is owned by Google. Yeah, true. Google's a so, heinous, a heinous virus on the well, internet. Well, well, it's not it's no different from <laughs> yeah, my, it's I not use different Duck, Duck, Go most it's, of the time. It's anyway. direct marketing. It's, it's marketing directly to you what we know you already like. Right. I used to think it's, AOL it's, was the biggest virus on the internet, but, but it's Google basically. You know, it's, 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 I mean, it's not it's not just Google. Do you think Microsoft is any better? Do you think I don't use any Microsoft? Any, do you think Apple is any better? I don't use Apple. I try to, I really actually just, I actually go for the other stuff, like, like Tor, like the Tor browser and DuckDuckGo and 
I just but, that I, I really saved myself a lot of headaches by staying away from Google quite a but, bit. But days. what I, but what I was getting at with this in the in the first place yeah. that what this does is it eliminates the prospect of you discovering something new something new yeah and that sucks that really because when they're when they're just telling you what they think you what they already think you're gonna like you're never gonna grow because this is stuff that you're googling this is stuff that you're watching so they're showing you they're just showing you more of what you like that's all never does that to me i but i don't use youtube a whole lot though well yeah i guess you don't realize it's doing it but it is maybe but i mean if i go on my youtube right now with all the horror movies i watch and all the rank ass shit i watch None of nothing on here is horror at all. It, it's uh, it's the midnight special from 1978. I've got some bugs. I've got the outsiders 1983 stuff coming through. Yeah, you're um, watching. You, you watch a lot of movies. You watch watching a lot of movies. And, and, you know, it's movies. All, and it's all based in the 80s. No, I mean, this stuff is like, I, I mean. I have known nothing that you, I mean, nothing marketed towards me is on my YouTube. I don't know, maybe because my family uses it. Oh, no. Now, I don't know. Now, if I subscribe you, to something, I'm inundated. It, it like, could, maybe it's like, based on the IP. Maybe it's like based that. on the IP of your internet because I live in a share house and I'm not joking. When I put YouTube on, I had this advertisement on the Gardner products for hair. Definitely not oh. for me. So it's now, probably Google's like a picking different up story. It's YouTube I'm talking about. So now I yeah, just yeah, I yeah. just opened I just opened up YouTube. Mine is uh, classic wrestling because, like I said, Sean Sean's been right, playing right. a new video game. I'm talking to him. Mm. Nightmare on Elm Street, Empire Strikes Back. It's you know, somebody reacting to X. Well, well maybe, we're... well, maybe it is because I got discovered guys power of plant medicine earlier today. Whenever... Earlier on this podcast, I was talking about <laughs> I, gotta... I was talking about the X Men cartoon show, and mm-hmm. X Men is right here. Right, right. Yeah, there's there's a few things. It's in here. listening. It's constantly listening. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. You're and unfortunately, I mean, my, my reading the return of sweet... the funeral of Stan Laurel. Now yeah. I have never looked this up. There you go. We were just talking about Laurel and Hardy. Now you're getting that's Stan Laurel. That that's what weird? I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, mine, mine's showing the return of Sweeney Todd to Broadway, the Sugar Babes, South Park, before Robin, Sister Wives, Robin and Mary's Nasty Feud, Sister Wives, and women. <laughs> Yellow Jacket, Season 1 Recap, which we just mentioned, Sugar Babes, um, and Resident Evil 4, the computer game, and... Um, yeah, that's what that's what these this are. This is definitely top, my whenever whenever what is it? Whenever the uh, top, whenever top the love tries to shame about, you just for spot uh, like this. So this is definitely me. <laughs> but mine's even got like top dark top ten dark truths of Hollywood Babylon coming up. I don't see. I don't get most of that. Then again, Scott yeah. always watches on my YouTube. He likes music, so. There, there's an older guy that comes into the bar Thursday night. I was talking to him about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and all those movies. Now I'm getting uh, Lee Van Cleef movies. Isn't that mm-hmm. scary? Are they listening? Has everything got it? Every, yeah, it's constantly everything listening is to recorded. You. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind do of you know that, scary, do you know that one, one? Do you know once a month I get a email that tracks everywhere I've been? Yeah. I don't have that. That's why my friend, I've got a friend lives down here. She bought a non-Google phone because she does not want to be tracked for obvious reasons. I mean, she's an activist. 
but she does not want to be tracked. So she. I mean, got, I'm not. not I'm not bothered by. I'm not bothered by it. The only thing I'm bother bothered me. by is how, I I, the only thing I'm bothered by. The only thing I'm bothered by is how boring my fucking life is. I haven't yeah, got any gold there besides working man. home. <laughs> but you know what? Thank God, I, I really need so, to go somewhere. Somebody, somebody ends up dead. You need an alibi. You just pull up your phone and be like, "Oh, look, I never left the house that night." <laughs> I've never had anybody. I've never had anything show me where I am, like except for my. You can look it up. Tracks my every move. Oh, not at the liquor it. store. No, not you, at you, the pot dispensary. No matter what phone you have, you could look. It'll tell. It'll tell you where you've been. Yeah, yeah. you're. Oh, you're being tracked anyway. Your GPS tracker's on at all times. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, that I yeah. do now. I don't know. Maybe so. we've given too much power to government and corporations. Um, but, I mean, I'm not. I mean, personally, I'm not worried about it. Personally, I don't. There's nothing I worry about. But, but it does. But I do. What I do miss is like um, turning on the television and falling upon a movie I've never seen before. I and, 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 and 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 re, and and rediscovering something that well, you know, only have I discovered. So I can tell other people. Have you that. seen? There are still some old cable. Yeah, television. but I don't. But I don't. I mean, I'm I'm at fault. I don't watch Public things. I don't watch TV channels. like that anymore. UHF channels. I would kill to get those back. But that's the thing is nobody nobody really watches TV that way anymore. I would. The, yeah. the, the UHF channels that Vicky's talking about right now are how I discovered all the Sherlock Holmes movies. Yeah. Uh, they're how I discovered you know these old Vincent Price movies. It's that sad that they're Vincent gone. Martin. It's just everything that's. I, I don't mind progress, but I still like to have what I used to have. Well, I mean, that's why, I mean, what I do is, you know, like with Ferris, for instance, it's like we've been watching old films and stuff like this, and he's loving them. And, you know, and we make any we make playlists for each other that like like older songs and stuff like this that he, he's loving and he's you know he's giving me new stuff that i don't know about which i'm enjoying but that's what you got to do what you got to do is you got to you know you got to trade this stuff with people you got to let these people know and when people have come over don't you don't need to show them top gun maverick show yes, them absolutely. the original show them the original top gun or show them something else and bring you know you know, there's, when, you know, when when David yeah. when David was here, I mean, we watched the whole. I mean, he was all seven faces of Doctor Lau. He saw, you know, gentlemen for blondes and all this other stuff. Doctor my, you know, there, there's a, a another bartender where I worked that she told me she, you know, she she wants to get into watching like the old classic horror movies, and everyone told her, "Oh, go talk to Joe." And I, she asked me, I sent her a list. I was like, "Here, watch these." You have to rent or buy them now because they really stick it to you. Really have to look. I mean, to find them. I mean, you all. I mean, unless they happen to be playing on TV, you always had to rent or buy them anyway. I don't know. I'm pretty good. I think at it's easier stuff. now because I'm pretty now, good at finding stuff. Now I had now, a problem you, with the Invisible Man and Abbott Costello. I had well, no, actually, yep, I had to rent. Probably on Abbott Peacock. Costello. It's probably on Peacock. Universal owns it outright. I, so. I couldn't find it on Peacock when I looked. Invisible was it Man licensed? Was on, Invisible well, Man. Well, the, the, uni the Universal Monster ones are kind of hard anyway. I mean, I I, I don't I know what it is right, about but... Universal Monsters, but they want you to pay for them. They want you to yeah. pay because for them. because the uh, they're about to go into public domains. So they want to squeeze the last squeeze uh, as much as they can. How the much last is the time frame on that? Ninety five years. Frame? What is 95, it? Ninety five years. Ninety five so, years. So now, oh. yeah, in a couple years, Dracula and Frankenstein are going to go into the public domain. The year old. after that. Oh. Uh, the Mummy is going to go into public domain. The year after that, The Invisible Man is going to go into public domain. So all these movies over the next couple of years, we've, we've actually reached a point now where every single movie made in 1927 um, 
is in the uh, or earlier is in the public domain. So now technically every single year, the best picture 1927 was the first Oscar year. The uh, every single year going forward, whatever was nominated or won best picture or whatever, they're all going to go into the public domain. So mm-hmm. in like 15 years, wow. Casablanca is going to go into public domain. Gone with the Wind's going to go into public domain in like 10 years. So that's that's where we're at. That's yeah, where, you're right. That was 1930. We're getting old, basically. Wizard of Oz and all that stuff. Yeah, Wizard of Oz is going to be public still domain. Not public so. domain then. No, not yet. Not, not until it was, uh, 99. But well, see, the, my mother's 91 this year, so they got a few more years to go. Yeah. Any any so, anything anything made ninety five years ago and and before that are all public domain now. That's how it's going to be. Like like uh, that's why you had that Winnie the Pooh horror movie that came out. Oh God, if people are upset about movie. that. I've got to watch it. I've got. I can't I've heard it's it. terrible. Is it terrible? terrible? I've heard. Oh, yeah. really is it like terrible. the Banana Splits terrible, or is it good? No, movie? Banana Splits was actually fun. Well, I think it's fun. So, but it's not fun at all because uh, apparently this one is. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen apparently it. Apparently, it's a really, it's a really slog to sit through. Apparently, is it really that bad? Huh? I haven't seen it. That's what so they're saying. I wanted to see it just because it was upsetting all this, the Sharons and the Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> but if but if it's if it does that and it's fun, then then yeah. But from what I hear, it's terrible. I'll watch it once it hits like streaming or something. Right. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay twenty dollars for it. I want to see Cocaine Bear so bad, but I'm not paying twenty bucks. Just wait, waiting. I am the the week the Blu-ray comes out that the rentals on. Um, on on demand, drop to five bucks. That's that's who's, how who's, I do it. it. Who owns it? Warner Universal. Cocaine Bear is Universal. Universal. So it'll end up on Peacock soon. I mean, what I do is I just wait and then um, after it comes I on do. HBO. Sometimes I just com- really want, like Violet but, Night. I wanted to see that so bad, but I waited. God dang it, till it was on streaming. Well, I watched uh, it twice here, now because oh, I liked it so much. Over here, it comes out the cinema. If it does hit the cinema, it comes out the cinema, and then it's on streaming at the same time for about a month, and then um, you know, and then what happens? Then it's on rental for on demand if you want it, and then the Blu-ray comes out. And then two weeks later, it's on Sky One, Sky Cinema here, yeah. on television. So you don't pay anything for it. Which, which is, uh, which is another reason that they, they, they have royally fucked up because this is. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you, you need to keep movies in theaters longer if you want to make any money off them. Uh, I, well, top, I think this changed during really COVID, right? When we say this all changed during COVID, it was changing even before that because nobody but like, wanted. But to... I mean, COVID put it on blast. It's just no, oh, yeah. I, I but, think no. Another thing is cost. It's fucking yeah, nobody, expensive because of fucking cinema. Nobody wants. Yeah, yeah. nobody wants to pay for 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 movies anymore. That's that's a big issue. It's sad. I really like going, but it really is expensive. Yeah, but but the thing is, I mean, you think about it. If you make popcorn at home and you sit there and and you pay fourteen ninety nine to rent to rent it at home, you can have fifteen people paying yeah. a pound each to watch it from home, and every you know, and the popcorn's cheap as well. But if you go to the cinema. Jesus, you know, so the cinema is expensive. Who does the experience though? Because yeah. Asher just loves the cinema experience, so I have to. Suck yeah. It well, the cinema here is cinema here is thirty quid for one ticket. Yeah. Well, it's five dollars for a matinee, which is not yeah. bad. Uh, AMC theaters do uh, five dollar Tuesdays. Five dollars. Oh, that's nice. So that's that's. We that's have a different cheap. one out here. They're always five dollar every day matinee. But the but the problem with uh, with the five dollar Tuesdays is it brings out the shitheads. 
That's that's what you end up having to go. Yeah. Through. So you got people talking and yelling the whole time you're watching it. Oh man, yeah. I'm not nice. That's another. I don't want another funny. reason to hate the if cinema. If I've been hosed for pop can, popcorn and candy and all that shit, and somebody's fucking off behind me, ne- they next told that they're fucking off. Ne- next <laughs> next time next time Sean does one of these podcasts, ask him about the time we went to see Knives Out. He'll he'll tell you Knives all about out. Five Dollar Tuesdays because he had a fucking couple basically dry humping on top of him. It was like the oh. worst. The theater was oh. packed. We had a guy in front of us that wouldn't shut the fuck up. He was on his phone the whole time. Like, Jesus Christ. Why are you here? Why are you in the movies (laughs) if you're just going to talk on your fucking phone the whole time? I would have stuffed his phone down his goddamn throat. It's a bit like when they made... It's a bit bit like when they made theater available to the masses. And so you'd be going to theater. Next thing you know, is like these people are dancing in the aisles. You're like, what the fuck are you dancing to? It's fucking West Side Story. Like yeah, talking and they're on their phone. They were moved by the music. No, I'm just in there saying that you're trying to watch something and then they're on their they're on their phones talking the whole time and all the other shit. And you're like, okay, why in the hell did he spend so much money on a theater ticket? You're gonna fucking just talk on your phone. I saw someone get raked over the coals on Twitter because. uh, they they complained that they went to they went to a they went to a Broadway show and the uh, the Wi Fi they had like the Wi Fi blockers in there so like you could so you couldn't like get on your phone and Thanks scroll. The Lord, did it so oh so when they were nice coming idea. out, they were like they blocked the Wi Fi. Like that's Good. the fucking point. So you're not. They should literally get get inside, give us the phone, and then shut off. <laughs> no, that's expensive. good thing. You know how expensive Broadway tickets are. You go exactly. I don't yeah, want the no, schmuck next to me on his phone no. the whole time. I would kill no. him. I, I would make my presence known, and I don't have a problem doing that. I remember <laughs> when I saw. I remember when I saw Tommy on stage, and it brought out a lot of interesting people. I bet. And that's just sit there and said that there there are people that were headbanging that probably shouldn't be headbanging to Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, can you hear me? They're like this all the time, like tapping. They're saying, like, play, pretend they're playing guitar. It's like, oh god. <laughs> there was a, a my my uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I went to see Exorcist Four, and there, oh my god, a fight. You really... your girlfriends to all the best flicks, Joe. <laughs> well, we were both we both love horror movies, but uh, but there was uh, oh, okay, like she a couple, liked it. Okay, a couple rows in front of us. There was somebody who was on their phone, and then somebody yelling from across the from like further down the road why don't you shut the fuck up and this person goes, no why don't you shut the fuck up and there's somebody yelling behind me why don't you both shut the fuck up and it just ended up just being like it this. sounds like hey jesus. what's your name <laughs> it's like jesus christ the, to be honest the nerve of the fact that he responded i mean you know you're doing something wrong you're bothering people you paid for enough other people paid us for just to watch the movie not to listen people to people don't care I don't exactly understand. I just exactly. just the respect of others. It's just I mean, we have gone on a massive tirade in tangent. Oh my god, yeah. How how long are we? Oh my god, we've we've been running three hours already. Costello meet the Invisible Man. So, uh, how, how many stars? How many stars do you get, Vix? Five, five all the way, and five for the asshole talking to the theater and dry humping his woman.
Emily's <laughs> <laughs> out, David. How many stars do you give it? Uh, okay, so because it's not my genre, I would give it a 2.5, but because it's a good work, objectively, I have to give it a four. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Not, 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 he's an honest writer. Not bad for somebody who who started out saying he really doesn't, you know. No, but to be honest, I've never, never even ever watched Albert and Costello movies. But so this is exactly so you're exactly the kind of person we want for this. Somebody who's never seen it before that's seeing it for the first time. That that I promise, I promise you, the amount of times even by my by my exes or by my friends, like you've not watched this movie, or you don't know, I haven't watched this. Oh my god, sorry, sorry, I lived under a rock. I don't know what to say. We There's so much stuff I haven't watched. Necromantic. I promise. <laughs> Can you so imagine much. making a watch Necromantic? What's Necromantic? Uh, it's the the problem with Necromantic is that it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. It's foul and disgusting. Listen, I, I watched I, I watched the remake a remake of DOA last week, and that was the worst probably I've watched so far. I'm and telling then, you, dude, that was some painful shit. That's probably <laughs> accurate. That's probably the worst movie. Yeah, I've but then for me, it was offensive to watch. It's the sort of cinema that even if you're like, yeah, but I can't see. I'm like, no. If I could give it a zero, I would just give it a zero. Well, I mean, that was the worst rating the, I've ever given, and then I'm happy. Issue, and I'm not the back, big so issue I that it. I have with the with the with the remake of DOA is that it sends you out to solve this mystery that in the end didn't matter because it had nothing to do with him being born. <laughs> Thank God, yeah. I'm, as I, I said, exactly. It had nothing to do with I anything. That's what I thought. Just sent us on a wild goose chase for no reason. Yeah. That was my oh. issue. That might be Vicky's issue with DOA also. <laughs> no, it was just, it was, wasn't what I expected. I was really, I loved the older one. I've never seen this one. I've never seen either. But one, I was so. just really disappointed with the performance. And, and then the script was just out of control, I thought, a little bit. My my biggest issue, because I was watching and going, okay, I, I you know, it's it's not that bad. It's, it's bad, but it's not like terrible. That would have got no, to the ending, though. And it was like, it oh, okay. The murder had no, the the person who poisoned him had nothing, nothing to do with anything we were we've been chasing <laughs> for the last two hours. It was just done for the sake of doing something. That but legitimately pissed me off. The continuity aspect, I guess, maybe I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but even the way it was written, so I hated every little inch of that thing. <laughs> I cannot. It's it's. I just. It's beyond my comprehension. Fair enough. I don't have technical knowledge of cinema, and I'm I'm, I'm a noob. Fair I enough. Th- I don't but think that you need was to. beyond what I could. It's just. I just. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm the just beauty, very, very the beauty biased. of film. The beauty of film, David, is it's made for everybody. Yeah. That's that's Werner Herzog's thing. It's it's what he said about it. Is that it's it's. It's for the masses. It's for everybody to consume. You like what you like. And hell, I've made films. I dislike it. You haven't made films. You dislike it. So clearly this movie's doing something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Something can be, you know. But there are generally situations when I'm like, okay, so I don't know much about this. Let me just see all the different aspects we're discussing. I'm like, actually, seeing from this perspective, I can understand. So I'm like, okay, maybe even with Alberto Castello, not my gender, I would give it 2.5 because I, comedy is not really my cup of tea. However, after all the discussion, all the things, it's like, okay, actually, it's 
greatly done. Wouldn't give it a five, but it's still a four. So do you see, it's kind of like, I can understand that there's more knowledge behind it. But with that movie, oh my God, it's just a waste of time. I just thought it was a waste it of really, time. It really, yeah, DOA, the remake of DOA was exactly a waste of time. It literally was. So, yeah, okay. But, <laughs> it's, but I mean, look, I, you know, my rating for Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein is also going to be a four. I'm not going to rate it a five like, like you know, the, the, uh, the Invisible Man. I still liked it. I mean, that's that's just it's how these movies are. Like, I, 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 I have a weird like grading curve in my in my head to where like I, I try I to try, find something I like about everything. Though. Well, I, I try I try. Well, I do try to find something I like about most movies. But my my curve is how well does it achieve what it was going for? Right. Because. Oh, yeah, okay. If you're if if I'm watching, you know, Casablanca and I'm watching Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, I'm not going to go watch Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers to see, you know, this grand epic romantic tale taking place in the background of World War II. And I'm not going to go watching Casablanca expecting to see Linnea Quigley's tits. No, of course, it's it's things in perspective. They're they're two completely different things. Uh, You know, if you're, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to watch, you know, Spider-Man expecting to see Citizen Kane. I'm not going to watch Citizen Kane expecting to see Spider-Man. Because if you do that, you're setting yourself up for, you know, disappointment (laughs) in both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Uh, Well, I'm going to give Abba Costello Meet the Invisible Man three and and a half, I think. It's not my favorite Abba Costello. Um, I I, I... I actually prefer like go on um, Buck Private. I like the early part of their career a little bit more. Um, some of the slapstick stuff. I mean, I liked it, but I said before, if I just saw this on its own and I didn't, ha- I didn't recently go through them the last couple of years through every single film, I probably would feel differently. But I think it's because I kind of was, I was a bit bored with it. I love seeing William Demarest. I like seeing Sidney Leonard. Um, but for me, it's I kind of you know I preferred. Um, you know who done it with Mar- Margaret Wicks and things like who that. Who done it is fantastic. I love Who Done It. Yeah. Who done it's one of and the I, best movies. So, so you know, compared to that, but you know, saying that, I and I also thought, as far as the 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 Invisible Man, I just thought that for twenty years later, I just thought that the effects would be better. But I they're kind of like, be a little better too. I, I did like when the guy was coming forward and his and he saw the veins and the and stuff and his as he's yeah you know appearing at the end. I like I thought that was well done and I, and I, and I you know I liked the little biscuit where you know Luz becomes invisible and then he has to put a, a, a huge diaper on and then his body's you know backwards. So I quite like that bit. Yeah. So, so that was cute. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the the thing you're talking about with like the veins showing up and everything, they did that in the um, uh, the Vincent Price Invisible Man, you know, ten years mm. earlier. So that even that. Yeah. I just thought that. I just thought. I just thought that. I just thought that the invisible side would have moved on a little bit better. I, it, it, I thought that. I thought the 1933 Invisible Man special effects were better than the, than the Abbott Costello one. Yes. Twenty years later. Abbott Costello, I think, was a little more. I think it's more cheaply, not cheaply made for the time. It's definitely more cheaply made. But I mean, they were cutting corners. Let's face it; they were yeah. they were cutting corners. They weren't really. Yeah. In there. But they, e- but even they were even, even they were cutting corners. Fact. Even but even if they were cutting corners, it's still twenty years after the fact. So I mean, those, those, those special effects. Better, probably, I, I don't think those special effects would cost the same amount that they did back in the day, sort of thing. I don't know. I right. just 
I mean, was, I mean, I and I do like them. So I mean, there there were me. times where you could see the outline, yeah, uh, of of the persons who, who's sitting there. So there, you know, he had a high um, def, yeah. Uh, I can also. No, oh, sorry, so go ahead. No, and I said, and, and I had high def. Um, you know, I had Blu-ray, the, the um, the Invisible Man from 1933, and I watched it in high definition on Blu-ray on a huge television, and there's none of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So I think, I mean, I I think, well, I think, I think they just, I think they just pushed this out as fast as possible. It looked like they did. It looked like. Oh, yeah. Because Abbott and Costello made, like, I think, like three more movies that year. Yeah. Yeah. These were. What was the last one? I want to remember. I cannot remember. Uh, The last one for Universal was Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. The last one overall was Dance with Me, Henry, which they made at MGM. That's right. Um, but I have not seen that one. I, like I said, I, I've been, I, I, I have the DVD. I, I have the DVD and I'm like, just, I can't do it because then there's, because then I have to accept the fact that there's no new, no new Abbott and Costello for me ever. So I, I don't <laughs> know when, I, when I'm going to be ready to finally take that plunge. But there, I mean, there are a couple of Abbott Costellos I do love, you know, time of our lives. I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Jack and the Beanstalk. I love Lou Costello in the 30 foot. Boy, uh, the Bride of Candy called. Rock, yeah. Kyrie, the, the I love ones, that one. I really liked the movies where they they had Lou Costello really show like how his ability to do pathos. Mm. Um, and the time of our lives is one of those. Um, Buck Privates Come Home is one of those. Mm. Um, and Little Giant, where he's you know, I think that one's one of one of Lou Costello's best performances. Uh, when they veered from the formula, they did a really, really great job too. But then again, there's right. something to be said about the early days of the formula too, when they were discovering yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, and I miss not seeing the Andrew sisters as well. So. Oh, I That's know true. the Andrew sisters. I used to. I enjoyed watching them. I like the <laughs> yeah. Andrew sisters still. I'm a weirdo. I get it. I mm-hmm. like. They were. Uh, yeah, the, they were like in the first like three or four, I think. Yeah, well, that's the fir- that was the first time they did Boogie Boogie Bugle Boy was in their first movie. Yeah. But you're talking about Luke Costello and Pathos. He was really a tragic figure. He always seemed like a tragic figure to me. He just did. Well, he was also he was also an acolyte of Chaplin. He really wanted to do Chaplin-esque stuff. So he wanted to do that. You know, really physical. Yeah. Well, I mean, so was Chaplin. (laughs) So uh, that 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 was his idol. I I watched um, an interview with his daughter. His idol, though. I watched, well, I mean, I watched an interview with his daughter and she was, she said he was, you know, he was a huge Chaplin fan, which really shows when, you know, you get to the movies where he actually gets to show his emotional range. brings us into the literary license podcast next week we'll be covering dark shadows we'll be finishing up our dark shadows um which will mean we're covering over 150 episodes bringing it to your way so that for all our dark shadows fans to bring an end to the entire series and of course next month our book the screen will be fried green tomatoes at the whistle stop cafe by fanny flag and the film from 1991 and of course, we'll be carrying on with our Doctor Who, which will be The Sensorites, which aired in 20th of June to the 1st of August, 1964. And then Batman, the anime series, will be the week after that with Eternal Youth, Pershance of a Dream, The Cape and the Cow Conspiracy, and The Laughing Fish. 
And our make-remake for next month will be Salem's Lot from 1979 and the TV remake Salem's Lot from 2004, starring Rob Lowe and it's Samantha Memphis. It's going to be a long week. <laughs> yeah. I had to two, run three, that one. I couldn't find two, it. Two three-hour movies. Fuck. <laughs> and Eminem, um, our Monsters and Mad Men episodes will be Deliverance from 1972 and the classic Race with the Devil from 1973. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vix. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, David. And we'll see you next week for Dark Shadows. And we'll see you next time for Treat me.